This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. You are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Crange. Who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Stop yelling at me. I agree. You are listening to the best wrestling podcast in the world, the Voice of Wrestling flagship podcast. I am the king of banter, the most compelling voice in wrestling media, a reasoned and well-explained man, the leader of the hardcore wrestling intelligentsia, an internationally acclaimed broadcast journalist as heard on BBC Radio, quoted by Forbes magazine, and a good family man, Joe Lanza. And uh, once again, Rich Krejci on vacation. So I'll be taking you know, three, three hours no, of... No, stop. Get out of here. Oh, he's here! Yeah, you, you know what? This narrative that, about me always... It, 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 you know, it hurts, Joe. It really does. It's Rich back <laughs> from vacation Krejci. <laughs> That's your new moniker. Okay. Because you take 19 vacations a year. <laughs> I took two. You're skipping off to Aruba. You're in, uh, you're going to these exotic locales. I think <laughs> right. <laughs> Seattle, Washington. Yes. You were in Belize one time. You I was in Belize in, one uh, time. That, that I cannot deny I was in Belize. So you were in Aruba. You're in Cancun. You, uh, you went to the, uh, Yucatan Peninsula. You go to these exotic locales. You're climbing mountains in the Himalayas. I mean, I don't know what you're doing out there. And let me tell you something else. You like, could you have picked a worse week to go on vacation than the week you went on vacation? Like, this is almost as bad as the week when you went on vacation, WrestleMania weekend. Like, how do you end up going on vacation? The do you look at the calendar at the beginning of the year and go, okay, now do you you, you rub that chin right? You're rubbing on your chin. You're looking at the calendar. And you go, what would be the worst possible week to go on vacation, which would really screw up this side hobby that's turned into a very annoying part-time job and, and put everybody behind the eight ball? I know the week of double or nothing and the best of the super juniors and, and Dean Ambrose jumping companies and everything. How does this happen? How do you take the worst weeks possible to go on vacation. See, the, the, the first off, you, 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 you're you joking around with the malice part of this, but the problem is, like, people legitimately get on me at Twitter about it. Like, how dare you? <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> which I love. It's just like, they're actually, like, like I have this malice. Like, I'm actually like, all right, guys, I'm going to fuck everybody over by going on vacation this time or whatever. Also, uh, you used an interesting word there. You said, why do you choose to go on vacation this week? There, I think there's a different word there. <laughs> Why does your wife choose to go on a week? Like, this is the problem is she only has certain weekends off, and it's very difficult for her to move weekends. So it's usually like, hey, this is the weekend we can go on vacation. And it somehow, 
every so often falls on like the, the WrestleMania week one. That was a, ver- a, a very much point of contention. Like that, that got into an argument that got into it. Ooh, I don't know about that weekend. She's like, really? Are you serious? It's the only weekend I could take off that entire month or whatever. And I'm like, ah, I know, but many a weekend like that. This one was like, Hey, I'm going to get back on Saturday. Maybe I'll have some time for double or nothing. Flight was delayed. A bunch of shit happened for that one. But this was one where I kind of let it go a little bit because I was under the assumption that it'd be back Saturday in time to watch double or nothing. But of course that didn't exactly happen. I saw it the next day. God forbid, you know, the, the next day after. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's, it, it does cause, uh, so yeah, I, I don't know. The thing that you choose, I think, is an interesting word there. I don't choose necessarily. I, I tend to agree, or you know, can give my two cents on it, but largely it's based off her schedule and when she can uh, go listen. on vacations and stuff. So you know, who's wearing the britches in the Craig household here? Okay. Well, for, da- for days uh, off and vacations, her. So sorry. All right. Now listen <laughs> for my stupid. Hey, you know what? No, we can't go to California. I have to talk to Joe Lanza about WrestleMania twenty or fucking thirty four, whatever the hell the one in two years ago was. From what I understand, uh, you will be heading to Nova Scotia on January third through fifth. <laughs> I will never. Yeah, that 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 day you can safely assume I will I will be around. So that one I'll, I'll always be around. Uh, you know, everything else is up in the air. You never know. You never know where it's going to be. And, and one of the vacations when I was to WrestleMania weekend, like and recorded like eighty podcasts and got sick. Like I, I like how that counts among my vacations. And then all these people talking shit. They're all traveling to Japan and traveling to Las Vegas. Going, they can go on fucking weekend excursions to every wrestling show around the goddamn planet. But then I take one fucking vacation or two vacations a year, and oh my god, there's Rich back from vacation. You know what? It's 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 worse shit. Right, but your trip to WrestleMania is a tax write off. Okay, so that, that's that's the, that's the that's the difference there. <laughs> that's true. Uh, so where are you going SummerSlam weekend? Rock of Gibraltar, uh, uh, Chile, uh, Chile, whatever, however it's pronounced. Uh, maybe maybe, maybe Saudi Madagascar. Arabia. I've been thinking Madagascar, somewhere real, like where I can possibly like no way get any internet connection whatsoever is, is what I'm thinking. That'd be ideal. That'd be ideal. That that'd be great. That way the reviews will get. Well, actually, Andrew Rich, the producer, did a tremendous job. He did uh, while you were gone because far be it from me to help out, but. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Rich all over it. Uh, let me tell I you. I tried to give the site to him. He he did not accept it after the week, though. So he, I think he realized how terrible it is to run this website. Because I oh, said, Andrew, it's yours if you want it. And he said, no. And then, I, and then he hasn't signed in ever since then. So Andrew Rich is gullible, but he's not dumb. Okay? Yeah, no, he's a smart man. That's a very smart man. There's a difference. But man, did he handle that task with gumption. Every time I log into the office Slack there, okay, because we have people all over the world writing reviews. So, you know, you got someone from, you know, halfway around the globe sending in a random best of the Super Juniors review at 3.18 a.m., Andrew Rich right on top of it, posting it right to the site. I got to tell you, uh, he did a tremendous job. He, he needs to be lauded and praised for that. Also, with the best of the Super Juniors wrapping up, Who's been doing all those reviews? Let's let's talk about that. Oh, we've too. had a bunch of people. Yeah, we, we've had a huge crew doing all that stuff. Um, Paco Silva. Paco, Paco Silva, Silva has been doing some of them. Case Lowe has been doing quite a few of them as well. Uh, Thomas Fishback has done one or two, I want to say, as well. Uh, uh, Gerard. Uh, Gerard's done quite a few. Uh, Paul. Paul's been on there. Paul Volsh has been on there a few times. Anderson Clare jumped in uh, away from Impact. Uh, Sean Cedor did one. Yeah, we've been all over the place. Uh, Rich Gallos. Gaios did uh, Ricardo Gaios did uh, one as well. So yeah, that's Ricardo like, got in the mix too. I count like five different countries there. Yeah, that's seriously how yeah, we got Spain, Mexico, uh, Gerard's Canada, Paul is German, I believe, right? Correct. And then we had UK with Sinclair, right? Oh right, yeah, there you go, unbelievable. And the US, 
Well, nobody cares about the United States. That's a yeah, well, that's, that's six different nations there. Reviewing and Indiana, which is really, I mean, its own world. So that that will we'll count uh, that as dependent where. Yeah, I mean, geez, nobody. <laughs> Fisher's Indiana, man. Ugh, gross. But that's all right. He's another Indiana guy. There's two Indiana guys now. Yeah, we got a, quite a few. We got like half our sites from Wisconsin. Uh, the other half or the other quarters from Indiana. Um, and then yeah, then everybody else is from all across the world. So wait, Fishbeck is from Indiana. Uh, he's Virginia. I want to say. Oh, that's right. No, he well, he went to well. Did he go to? No, he went to Penn, right? But he lives in Virginia. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think that's how it went. I hope I didn't get the wrong. He's making made of money. (laughs) Well, I hope I didn't get the wrong Ivy League school, but I know he's 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 uh you know highfalutin Ivy League guy. I'm pretty sure he went to Penn. Watch it end up being Temple or something. Not that there's anything wrong with Temple, but uh, it's gonna be Brown. Yeah, (laughs) I'm I'm putting the guy over. Well, that's Ivy League too. But I'm putting. I know. I was gonna say, but that's Ivy League that nobody likes, like Brown. You know. It's like, you know, oh, Brown's Brown. like the bottom of the barrel. I believe. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, you went to Brown? Yeah. Okay, well. Yeah. Well, you know, it's got me crushed. So I'm, I'm not going to talk shit about Brown. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, but there's so much to get to. And we're talking about fish. Nobody cares about Thomas Fishbeck. Okay, oh, I so do. Oh, I do. We yeah, gotta, it's, it's a little, we, we've gotten really uh, into the weeds here with like, hey, let's discuss. He <laughs> won't be staff members, but uh, no, he, I think he's he's got tough skin. But no, that, that we everybody that's been doing the best of Super Juniors has been doing an incredible job. So we've been uh, covering every single night of it uh, as we wind down here. We will get every single night, including the finals, up at uh, voicewrestling.com. So uh, a lot of good stuff going on there. And then obviously we have our contest as well. You can follow uh, voicewrestling.com slash forums now that the blocks are, are kind of finalized. Uh, or at least the A block is going to be finalized by the time most of you guys listen to this. The B block will as well, so you'll have more updated scores and figure out who's going to win uh, the prize pack. Violent Miracle sponsoring the prize pack this year. The Vintage Pearl I, magazines, yeah. It's... Oh, the Vintage Pearls magazines, yeah. So plug that. But um, I don't know if you've taken a look at the calendar there. But uh... well, I know it's the third. I, people listen to the show at weird times, man. I don't know when these people listen to this. Thing. So I just kind of cover all bases by saying maybe in four or five days. Joe, have you seen our our our, our No, mentions? I do. I, I it's, check it's, it's always bizarre. I'm like, why do you still listen to the show? It was like five days ago. And they like, like, ah, yeah, you guys said this. And I'm like, yeah, then we said that on Thursday. Like, I know things have changed since then. Yes. Like, why are you listening? You're the one listening to it late. Like, you can't get mad at us for an opinion we had on Thursday that like got finalized on Sunday that we didn't talk about two, three days prior. It's just very bizarre. But well, I'll check the downloads on like Saturday. Right. I give it like, you know, at least a full 24 hours. That's the, the brunt of it. And, you know, it's also so I get on audio boom and tell them to sell some fucking ads. But 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 then I'll check back like on Monday or Tuesday, not expecting anything. And there's like 2000 more downloads. I'm like, why are these people listening to this show? And I'll listen if you're listening. I'm on glad. Monday or hey, Tuesday, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. But but geez, I mean, uh, you know, it's it's uh, not exactly timely at that. But you know what I think? I think a lot of people wait until they're going to work. So they don't listen until after the weekend because they listen on their commute or they listen at work. So I think those are the people. Who, nobody cares. Why nobody are we doing cares. this? This is we have so much um, to get to and we're talking about this bullshit. So, so uh, you know, we got listen, we got Moxley on talk is Jericho. We've got double or nothing. We've got best of the super juniors, which I got to tell you, you're carrying that one because I'm tired of talking about best of the super juniors. Uh, we've got the uh, NXT TakeOver 25, Rich. Did you know there has been. 25 of these yeah this was a weird t- like because when, when we were trying to when they were trying to figure out what to name this nxt takeover and there was all those issues and obviously they moved the show around and we didn't know where the hell the show was going to be we'll get to that when we talk about it in, in in the preview but um when they finally settled on the name 25 i was like well that's really bizarre and then i looked i'm like oh god there's been 25 of these and i'm like man i remember like every single one of these i remember on this show you and i talking about you know nxt takeovers so that's just kind of one of those things where you're like oh god where's my life been there's been 25 of these things but um 
yeah, it's it's pretty remarkable they've gotten to that point there with 25. So we'll talk about that because that's a, an interesting show in a lot of angles. What was that first one called? Uh, um, the one that wasn't a takeover. Well, there was so the first what was that was first like network arrival, special? right? A R A lowercase R capital R rival, right? Wasn't that the first one? Or am I wrong on that being the right? But that that wasn't a takeover, right? I don't so, think so. That was yeah. The that, first, well, the first thing they did, the first network special they did was not called takeover, but I don't know if they're counting that. As in one the chrono- of the yeah, you know, you're right. Um, and I, I asked somebody because I asked the same question behind the paywall, and somebody answered me, and I don't remember what they said because they went back and counted them all. They did all that work for nothing. So, to that guy listening who went back and counted, <laughs> Joe doesn't <laughs> forgot to, I don't remember I don't, what he you know, said. As far as I know, uh, without looking it up, I think that uh, it, it was a, a it was a rival, but also a rival by the weird uh, that is not a takeover because then the first one after that was called NXT Takeover. And then from right. then on, they've done NXT TakeOver blank ever since then. So I don't think that one, while being the first live special, first NXT live special or whatever, I don't think counts in the lineage of NXT TakeOver. So I believe there's been 25 NXT TakeOvers and then that one NXT A rival or whatever. But I don't know if that's, I, I, again, I don't know for 100%. But I do know that that one, I think in their canon or their weird naming structure chronologically or whatever, doesn't count uh, amongst them. But we'll get that's to what, that. <laughs> that's what I'm curious of. I, I just don't know if they're counting it or not whatever i guess it doesn't matter um so yeah i guess there's nowhere else to start well listen there's a lot of different places to start we've got moxley on talk is jericho we've got i think we got to talk about that i think we got to talk moxley we got double or nothing we've got moxley being announced as you know knife guy two in new japan we've got best of super juniors but i think the big topic is rich we didn't hear your money in the bank review of course, I, yes. I've been waiting. I've been screaming. I've been telling Michelle sick of me to bring it up every time. I'm like, oh, I gotta talk. I just need to talk about this Shane Miz cage match, and nobody there, there's been nobody to talk to, so I can't wait. I know for a fact you've been chomping at the bit to give your Charlotte v, <laughs> Charlotte v Lacey Evans takes. Oh, okay, yeah. I know that. I know for a fact because you've been texting me nonstop, Joe. I need to break down <laughs> Charlotte v Lacey Evans. Don't talk about it with me. I want the takes to be fresh, fresh out of the oven. I don't want you sullied by knowing my takes. But, Rich, I'm not sure we have time to oh. get money in the bank. Well, right how now. about, okay, maybe by the end. We'll see if we have time. Is that is that fair? Because I'm, I'm chomping at it, but that's fine. There are other topics. It's fine. We'll, 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 we'll see where we are by the end of the show. But just, Rich, just know that I want it. So Don't just – Within five seconds, answer me or don't answer me. Do you know who the WWE United States champion is? Five, uh, <laughs> four, three, two. Is it one. It's Ray. It's Ray, right? Ray beat uh, yeah, yeah, Joe, you, right? You got it and you barely beat the clock. Yeah. That's fine. All right. So You're upset that you got it right? I think you're <laughs> happy that you got it right. Okay, all right. Could you name both sets of male tag team champions <laughs> not a chance in fucking hell uh i think the revival has the one right no um, you're, you're already lost yeah. <laughs> i guess they do no, no you're they, lying they do no the edgeheads have them oh that's right <laughs> the edgeheads have that set sir so you already lost let's oh. just move on because Please, yeah, really- dear god let's talk about some other stuff yeah 
Uh, we'll we'll give him a pass. He's been in, uh, you know, uh, wherever. Uh, I can't Aruba, think of another Aruba. exotic. Oh, you, you brought up Aruba three times already, so we need to figure out. I've uh, said Aruba many times. Mali, Mali, yeah. We've been in Uganda for the past week. <laughs> of course, so. I mean, maybe you want to go visit the safari or something. Yeah, I don't know. Sure. You know, the home of Kamala. You know, I bet there's some nice wild animals out there. And the, is that a jungle nation or is that more of a uh, plain? I have no idea. I'm not even going to answer that because I don't know. Uh, it's just going to. It's elicit. more of like a, a plains, right? The plains in Uganda, or is it? I don't think it's a jungle nation. I think it's a like a uh, like the plains, you know, with elephants and, and giraffes and shit like that. Like jungles I would be think more. You're correct, but I don't know. Jungle what are you doing? That's the word. I don't know. I'm just the, 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 the topography of Uganda. That's what you call it, right? The topography. I believe, yeah, that would be. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I believe you're correct in it being planes, but I, I cannot confirm nor deny that. So, All right. All right. Well, any, at any rate, um, Moxley on Talk is Jericho. Um, that was an interesting podcast. Oh my god! Yeah, this this just put this right in my veins, man. This was awesome, and this thing popped up. I I didn't. I, I did you know that this was coming, or did this kind of catch everybody by surprise? I wasn't sure if it had been like talked about or bandied about. This was going to happen because I just we we got DMs. I think in the middle of the night that because it uploaded some weird time too, if I remember correctly. And there was just our DM box was full of like, oh my god, when you wake up, listen to this. And the first thing I did when I woke up is listen to it. And oh, it delivered, baby, <laughs> it absolutely delivered. But did we know this was coming? I, as far as I knew, because I was kind of out of the loop, I didn't know this was coming at all. Did, did, was there anything? sort of teasing it whatsoever or, or did it come by surprise well yeah if you weren't in yemen last week dining with <laughs> sheiks and and sipping on brandy um a couple days ahead of time it was known that he was recording the podcast with uh with uh fka dean ambrose uh for the talk is jericho but yeah there wasn't any kind of huge lead up i think it was a couple days notice uh, one thing I did notice with this, and we'll talk about it. I don't listen to a ton of Talk is Jericho these days. I know that sometimes you'll chime in with an episode, but uh, before we get to the actual meat and potatoes of it, I very jealous of how many ads Chris Jericho has in an hour and a half podcast. What was it, five or six? Like he's talking about bug lights. He's got boner pills. He's talking about seatbelt safety. Like I am very jealous of the amount of ads Chris Jericho has. If he can, if, if we can get like a quarter of those, that'd be pretty nice. But that's all right. And his transitions are a thing of beauty. <laughs> oh my god! I, I was listening to. Uh, I was listening to uh, he had Dave Meltzer on to talk about the anniversary of Owen Hart's death. Oh God! Oh so, no! <laughs> <laughs> so basically, basically he's like, "Yeah, and that's uh, that's great, Dave. So we're gonna get to that fateful night in the Kemper Arena, but first, I'm gonna tell you about the best steak I've ever had, oh, and it God. came from Omaha Steaks. Let me tell you, they deliver them straight to your house, and it's like his transitions. Are oh just, no, yeah, because they were bad on the Ambrose. He was like, "Yeah, Dean, uh, we'll talk about the rest of your story right now." But you know, it's annoying when you leave your door open and bugs come. <laughs> I'm like, "All right, like let's go." Like that bug light. Uh, I, I won't lie. I, I I actually am considering ordering the bug light. So uh, he he won me over with that for sure. That bug light sounds incredible. Because <laughs> my doors, because like I am Chris Jericho, my door is always open in the summer. My dogs are going in and out. I'm walking back and forth doing stuff, and there's always just these giant fucking mosquitoes all over my house so i'm like you know what that bug light sounds really good jericho thank you but uh yeah it came at the expense of a very very awkward transition which uh luckily with the ambrose thing it wasn't like too deep of topics but oh dear god i can't imagine like like getting into a zip recruiter ad while talking about owen hart's death that that sounds pretty awful yeah no that's literally how it was He's like, yeah, Dave, I want you to tell me all about the first time you talked to Brett after his brother passed away. But first, if you're hiring, you got to <laughs> use the recruiter because it, it's crazy. Like, he, he I, I, you know, but like, you know, sometimes I guess with certain topics, he can't avoid the awkward transition. But I feel like sometimes he's doing it on purpose. But uh, but yeah, I would love to have 
19 ads. I mean, he's got a he's got basically an 80 minute podcast and has no less than a half dozen ads on that thing. Very which delightful. everybody listening hates us right now, but we would love that. That yes. would be tremendous. <laughs> yeah, so if Audio Boom would like to get on that, I will read as many ads as they as they would like me to read, and I will do the awkward transitions too. Uh, but yeah, so he's got Moxley on this thing, and my man did not wait. A, a, he didn't wait five minutes to get into the meat and potatoes of his grievances. And what was good about this is Jericho got the fuck out of the way and just let this dude talk. This was basically Moxley giving a 90-minute monologue of everything he hated in the company with Jericho just chiming in now and then with a, yeah, dude. Oh yeah. That, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The Jedi mind trick. Yeah. You know, yeah. Or, like, or yeah. Oh yeah. Same old shit. Like that, that was my favorite one where Ambrose went on maybe like a seven minute rant about something. And he was just talking about how every week it was the same crap. And then Jericho was just like, yeah, same old shit, man. And then Tina just went again for another 15 minutes while yes. Jericho's, you know, fixing installing his bug light or whatever, which I, I, I loved. And I think a lot of that was maybe by, a little bit by design, like you said, like it's good to have Moxley and just let him. I mean, he was obviously eager to talk. Like that man said his 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 one or two paragraph. Hey, it was great to work there, and hey, yeah, it was great to you know make, meet my wife and stuff. And then he literally just said, "Okay, now we got that out of the way. Let's bear the company for the next two hours." And, and Jericho, I think, smartly let him do that because that was what was going to be the plan: is let let you know let Moxley do his thing. But I think also. Uh, from a legal standpoint, too, I get it why Jericho's looking at you know the, the Cavana Punk thing, and and even though it didn't delve into that sort of realm, into the you know anything about medical or any sort of like malpractice or whatever, I think Jericho was smart to just be like, look, I don't want any part of any any like you know, so I'll stay out of this and kind of chime in with some generic you know thoughts here and there, but you know this is your thing. So if anything happens, anything any any shit rolls down, it's going to be on you, man. But I don't think there was anything. Like, I don't think there was anything that you could even sue on or anything gratuitous. It was just like, hey, this is the work environment. I didn't like it. It wasn't that this work environment is bad. This work environment's unsafe. Like, the punk one was very much like, hey, you're hurting people. Hey, you're killing people. Or, hey, your doctors don't know it. Like, that went into little... This was just Ambrose being like, hey, look, this is my thoughts on how the company's run, and this is why it wasn't for me, which I think is a, a smart way to do it, too. You don't want to go fully scorched earth. You don't want to sound bitter, because I didn't think he came across bitter whatsoever in this. I think he just said, hey, look, for some people, it works. He even mentioned Seth does. You know, Seth's kind of like, hey, all right, man, you want to leave? Whatever. Uh, you know, Roman also same thing. Like, all right, cool. Like, we're fine. But if you want to leave, we get it. Where you know, Punk's thing was more of kind of a, a like I said, scorched earth. Like everything's going down. This is how they they do things. And I had concussions and I got misdiagnosed and all this sort of stuff. Where I think you know, Moxley just kind of said, hey, look, this wasn't for me, and this is why it wasn't for me, which I thought was was refreshing because I think a lot of people maybe expected it to be a total burial. And if they just read quotes, they might think, oh man, this guy buried the hell out of him. But this was like a guy who never got angry, never raised his voice, just kind of was like, hey, this is why I didn't like it there, and this is why I'm now gone from there and this is why i'm doing the other things i'm doing so i i, I thought that was kind of nice that it wasn't um too you know too argumentative or too you know he didn't come off just, like he, he didn't come off like he was whining right he kind of was like yeah i enjoyed my time there and this is why i wanted to leave and and that's fine i think that is that is that is good to hear and, and I think well i don't know if he enjoyed i don't know if he enjoyed his time there i don't know well, if I, I think he enjoyed I, aspects of his time there I, I think, and and I think he 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 addresses that too. He he does say that like there was a certain breaking point where it just kind of became a little too much yeah. for him, and 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 Jericho even sort of alludes to that too. Of like, I, I think at one point and we'll talk about some of the quotes and kind of go you know a little by little here. But you know, Jericho mentions like, hey man, when we were there like you know a couple of years ago, it wasn't this bad. Like, it, and that's kind of one of the themes that I got from this, and and it's obviously a theme going around you know the wrestling world right now is that things have gotten despite the 40 years of people bitching about creative and bitching about opportunities and all this sort of stuff and yada, yada, yada. Like it seems like it's reached, 
you know, this kind of critical mass boiling point for a lot of people lately. And Jericho mentions that too, that it was like, yeah, it wasn't that bad before. And then, yeah, something happened. It's been kind of different. And, and everyone's kind of talks about, you know, 2016 is where it kind of all was like, oh, dude, what the hell are we doing here? And then obviously the last year, which is absolutely off the wall. And, and, and that's kind of what we're hearing from a lot of other people as well. It's not just one isolated voice that's not happy. I mean, Jesus Christ, look around the wrestling world. There are plenty of people there, you know, actively employed by there who, who, are, who are making it known that they're unhappy with the, the situation there. So, Oh, he, he will not be the last one. There are tons of people there just biding their time, staring at the clock, waiting for their contracts to come due. Because as people have seen, the the requesting of your release is very is a very hit or miss strategy, and it's more missed than hit. And if they're insulted by that request, they're going to make your life hell. So I think people have learned that. And remember, there was that whole flurry of people asking for their release, and that just kind of stopped dead after Luke Harper. Because I think it's like one or two people got it. Ten guy got it. Gold Dust got it. But everyone else, they're really turning the screws on them whether it's Leo Rush or Luke Harper or whoever, the revival. So now people are just taking the Dean approach. I'm just going to wait out the clock. And then they have no say. I could do it. I'm free and clear the next day. And he didn't come off to me like a guy that enjoyed his time at all. He came off to me like a guy who became increasingly frustrated with his time there. And, and he even mentioned that he had a physical depression was the phrase that he used which I thought was interesting because I don't even know if that's anything like legitimately clinical, but I knew exactly what he meant because I've had jobs that I hated where I didn't necessarily feel depressed or, or, or even necessarily mentally, but I, but the physical depression that he was describing, I understood that where you wake up in the morning and you don't want to get out of the bed because you, know you're going to hate your work day. You know, and, and, and I think he even phrased it that way, in fact. Yeah, I think he said he was in his hotel room and like his alarm would go off, he'd wake up and he would just stare at the wall for, you know, an hour and just be like, ah, I can't even get out of bed, I can't move. Yeah. Like, and not because like he necessarily hates his life or he just dreaded going to work. <laughs> you know, it was like, and, and, and it's like, I, look, none of us love our jobs, okay? But it's like, uh, or very few of us do. But I totally understood what he meant by that. And, you know, and then he, he mentioned several um, uh, breaking points, including the now infamous, uh, you know, getting the needles in the arm from the doctor promo. Oh, jeez. We, we, we knew it, you know, at the time, too. That's the funny one about that one. I mean, we all kind of were reacting the same way of that. Like, oh, dear God, this is the worst shit ever. And you could see now, like, when you go back, I think it's been funny if people have been gone gone back and looked at the segment. You could see the look in that dude's face. Like, I am so fucking over this. It's, it's just, it's yeah. awesome to see. It's incredible. It's ter- you know, and, and what's funny is, and this is where we kind of take our victory lap. Everything this man said for an hour and a half are the same things we've been saying about him for the last, since 2014 or 15 or six, whenever it was. Uh, I guess the first year was fine when the shield was all together and everything was going, they were having all those hot trios matches. But once he started wearing those jeans, Rich, and that, you know, once he started doing like the, when he looked like, you know, uh, he, when he was wearing the jeans and like the dirty wife beater and, and looked like, uh, I don't know, like he was cosplaying Onita, Okay, once that era of Dean began, he confirmed every single thing that we've been saying about him since that point in time. 
that they just booked him into the ground with dumb shit, awful promos, uh, rodeo clown fucking nonsense. How did he describe it? He described it as uh, he used phrase, uh, he used phraseology that we used that we've been using for years. Uh, with with the awful promos and the and 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 the other funny thing that he said was, and another thing that we've always been saying, do not let them know that you have comedic timing because that is the end of you. Oh, you're in done. That company. Yeah, and I think he actually legitimately says the second he knew I had comedic timing, it was over for me. It was over. And and the <laughs> other funny thing he said was, if you have a promo with a noun in it, try to get <laughs> don't <it, laughs> yeah. try to get it changed because the next week. If you mention a fucking whatever, a beekeeper suit, you're going to be wearing a beekeeper suit the next week. It, it's you cannot mention nouns in your promos either uh, because, uh, you know, then you're going to be you're having a, a prop comic. That's the phrase he used. He's like, I was basically a fucking prop comic, which is something that we have called him and his character. He even brought up the mustard, Rich. Rich, he brought I up know. the mustard. If he brought Rodeo Clown up, I was going to confirm him as a, a, a flagship listener, but he did bring up the mustard, which is is interesting enough. Maybe he wanted to put people off the sense by not bringing up the Rodeo Clown thing. And he yeah, that is, that, I mean, we have talked up, about the mustard for four years. So they always bring up the mustard. And he brought up that Vince loves putting him in vehicles, whether it's hot dog carts or fucking, you know, just driving things. Fucking, And we, we always talk about Vince's obsession. What is Vince's obsession? with fucking vehicles. Okay, so he even brought that up. All of the things for years that we have been saying and complaining about, this man confirmed in this interview. And that he couldn't stand the awful promos and he couldn't stand the direction of his character and just going, you know, back, arguing tooth and nail with the writers and with Vince himself over the verbiage in his promos and how depressed it made him to have to go out there and deliver these goofy lines. And... I think what you were kind of alluding to earlier is he did kind of say that, you know, at points he just tried to own it. He was, okay, I'm going to lose most of these battles, but if you want me to recite this utter nonsense, I'm going to do it better than anybody else you have back. That's what he said. So I'm going to recite this shit better than anybody else you have back there. But then, you know, eventually it just reached a point where it, 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 he threw his hands after he was taking those shots to prevent himself from getting rabies from the fans in fucking, I think it was Milwaukee. Okay, he didn't want to get rabies from the Milwaukee, and, and that was it for him. He said from that point, he knew he wasn't resigning, and he also said when they offered him his renewal, he didn't even look at it. He didn't open the envelope and look at the dollar amount because no dollar amount could have kept them there. Which was funny because Jericho was like, really, you didn't open it? Because <laughs> you know that Chris Jericho, oh, yeah. even, even if it was the stupidest shit ever, but you were going to pay Jericho $6 million or whatever, he'd be he'd fucking open that check, sign it, and boom, you got you got Y2J. Because he was just like, you, you, you really didn't open it? <laughs> like, which I love. It was yeah. just like, perfect Chris Jericho. Because like Jericho's a man of, of, you know, he has some, you know, respectability, but man, if you throw a big money figure, I think he's fine with it. Like, I don't even begrudge him for that. No, I, I would be the same, man. And, yeah, we, we've and, said that like, hey, if we're going to pay us, what was the revival contract we said we would shave each other's asses for whatever the hell absolutely uh, they wanted to pay the revival i will go they there every rich. single monday night and let you shave my ass if they're gonna pay me a million dollars a year or whatever the fuck that is fine with me i don't care but you know i, I, I'm glad dollar, that some I, got, yeah. I got i got dollar shave club blades still that i will <laughs> gladly i will i will groom your buttocks like you've it's never been groomed before for that kind of money believe me but i understand the moxley point of view too he said my car is paid off. My house is paid off. My mother's house is paid off. I never spend money. So there was no amount of money they could have given me. What, he, he said, what am I going to do with $10 million? What am I going to do with it? Which 
you know, it has me punching my walls over here because I could figure out what to do with $10 million. But he's not money driven and everybody's different. And like you just said, Jericho, he would take the $10 million. This guy, he don't care. He's got his money. He's got money in the bank. Uh, he even said, hey, look, if you know we're unhappy, I'm going to throw my wife in an RV and we're just going to leave. I mean, that's just the kind of personality he is. It's not my personality, but you know, it, 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 that's someone who was unhappy in the workplace. It made him start to hate wrestling. That's the other cool thing he said. He said, you know, he he started, you know, watching. Uh, he said he was watching Japanese wrestling. He was watching wrestling from the eighties that he liked when he was a kid. Uh, he was watching. Uh, uh, he he mentioned Impact. He said he was watching Impact every week. Big Japan. He he actually dropped a Big Japan too. Big in there. Japan. I, I love the idea yeah. of Dean Ambrose on RootTube or whatever. You know, yeah. watching some shitty deathmatch. So, so he said when he was injured, he's watching this stuff, and it yeah. re and it reminded him how much he loves wrestling, and he was getting ideas, and and he was collecting ideas to pitch, and then he remembered. It doesn't matter what I pitch. <laughs> They're not going to do any of it. And I'm going to be back out there doing prop comedy. And it depressed him again. You know, and then he came back and, and you know, they gave him a bunch of bullshit to do. Yeah. And they, oh, man, they, the story about the comeback, not to throw you off but uh, or interrupt you there, but he talks about, hey, I gave, you know, the idea was I was going to be, I was going to come out and I was going to be in Seth's corner. And he was like, that's nah, bullshit. I'm not doing that. And, and, and rightfully so. He was like, hey, if I'm coming back, make this a big moment. Make it like, you know, this giant thing where I come out and I beat guys up and like, make it, make it memorable. Don't just have me walk out and be in, in Seth's corner. That makes no sense. So they said, yeah, yeah, okay, all right. So send me a bunch of ideas. He sent him a bunch of ideas. And then they just called him and said, hey, yeah, you're going to come out and you're going to be in Seth's corner. And he's like, all right, fuck it then. And then like, even then he's, and, and this is the thing that I always said is, it, or, or, or kind of what I talked about at the top is like, he always kind of tried to be a good soldier, at least the way he described it. Cause he's like, all right, look, I'm coming out to beat Seth's corner, whatever. I'll make the most of it. So then he's hoping that he comes out and his music's going to hit and he's going to get this big pop. But then, you know, he talks about, and I love it. He does like the set. It, it's perfect too. Cause it's the exact way that we talk about their promos too you know what i mean like the way we describe yeah. the promos where it sets like ah oh, if you're gonna have a you know what, what was the exact quote here uh oh i'm gonna find it exactly to see what it was um, it was if you're gonna have a scottish <laughs> psychopath oh that's right that i'm gonna have a lunatic in mine <laughs> it's just right like, oh and then he says it kills the pop yeah and he's right he's absolutely right but we talk about like where, where it's just like yeah if you're gonna have a scottish psychopath in your corner uh, that I'm going to have a lunatic in mind. <laughs> like, because like, then half the crowd that figures out what he's talking about pops. Then the other half crowd is murmuring and then the music hits and then the other half of the crowd pops, but the other half is done popping and it kills the pop. And his point is just hit the fucking music. <laughs> right. Don't overthink and me, this. <laughs> and let me get my pop and it'll be great. Which is another and, our point. Another victory lap is he's just like, he's talking about the simplicity of it all. Just like fucking hit my music, which has a really good beginning. And people will know when they hear, Meh. like, that's all you need. That that two seconds. Meh. There we go. I, that's seen Ambrose. Here he comes. He hasn't been here for a while. There we go. We're ready to go. Like, Keep going no, shit. But it's got to be, you know, this guy's nickname, this guy's nickname, some stupid thing that nobody says. Like, and that's the other thing, too. Like, the, 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 the promos of just, like, he talks, I think he, he cites that, like, you know, I was getting to the arena and I was riding a unicycle backwards or whatever. And he's like, what the yeah. fuck? Like, I would never say this. Like, why do you have me saying this stuff? And and it's it's one of the things we talk about all the time, too, is just, like, these these promos are just, like, like what? And, and I think, you know, and this is a really good point brought up by, I believe it's Trevor Dame on, on Twitter, who's one of the hosts of the uh, the. ROH, uh, the retro ROH podcast, which is really great. The ROH years. Um, 
where he talks about or through the years, I should say. Um, yeah, and the, and the title of that show is spelled like a like a takeover with capitals and yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it took me like yeah. it took me way too long to figure out. It's like through the years. I was like, oh yeah, there we go. Like longer than I want to admit, but that's a great podcast if you get a chance to listen to that. He brought yeah. up a point that I thought was really really interesting as well. Is that you know when we talk about people that are most miserable in that company and the people that seem to lash out once they leave or the people that lash out while they're there. It tends to be more of your character promo guys than it is your wrestlers. Like somebody like a Ricochet can go out there and do Ricochet things. You know what I mean? He could have a match and do all of his flips and do all of his spots and do all that sort of stuff. And it's fine. Like, you know, that and, and he's gonna be able to be, I think, a little fulfilled in that sense. A guy like a Seth Rollins is able to kind of have the type of match that he maybe wants to and and largely won't be stopped from doing that. But your guys that really seem to just really dislike that place are your guys like your punks and your ambroses and, and and those sort of guys that are very much promo driven very much character driven guys that were hired into that company not because they were good workers not because they were great wrestlers but because they were great characters because they were great at, at sort of the little things in pro wrestling the that maybe some of the out of the ring stuff or, or how they conducted themselves in the ring or whatnot and and those are the guys that feel so little creative fulfillment because you hired me because you I, you think i'm a great character they did not hire john moxley because they thought john moxley was a super worker that could main event wrestlemania because he's a great wrestler they hired John Moxley because he was a great promo and a great character. And he even brings this up. Why did you bring me here? Because you, you hired me because I was a great character and a great promo and all that sort of stuff. And now you just write stuff for me. Why did you bring me in here? Just hire an actor. You, know, you don't right. need me then. Like, you know, that's essentially what is. Yeah. And I think that's maybe part of the physical depression is like, I'm just a guy, like, I'm just a guy that fills in this role. You don't need me. I don't, I offer nothing to you. I'm just the guy who does these lines that you want. And, and like you hired me because of these one skill, these particular skills that I had and punk had similar things as well. It's like, you know, I, I was brought in this company because the character that I had, because of what I can do, it's, it's silly to just kind of pigeonhole me and then sort of tell me what I need to say. And, 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 and this has been a point of contention from a lot of people. And I think more than anybody, those guys that really pride themselves uh, on their character work and guys that that's their calling card. The number one thing of John Moxley or Dean Ambrose or whatever is his character work. His in ring is fine. It's okay. It's whatever. But he is a promo, a character guy, that sort of stuff that he does. And those people are so unfulfilled in that company because there's they're literally not given a chance to be fulfilled because they have no say in, in, in what they say or do or how they act. And that's that that's gotta be a treacherous thing to try to work through. It's just a bad week for people who defend the company and how they do things because it confirms that because uh, because again, he's not the only one. Okay. He's he's not the only one. You you, you saw Jericho basically nodding along with him. And um, it, it's, it's these, it, the, no one, and that's a big reason why nobody can get over and why the star making machine is broken because everybody speaks in the same cadence and the same lame verbiage, uh, just with slight differences uh, to what, what, whatever the gimmick calls for. But essentially everyone's speaking in the same voice and speaking the same fake language. And because there's no individuality, nobody gets over. And now those, what is it? The, uh, what's the phrase? The chickens are coming home to roost. Is I believe that so. That is, that is indeed one of the phrases. That, yeah. There you go. Nice job. That, and that's what's happening now. There, they have no stars. Nobody stands out. They can't get anybody over as a star. And the ratings and the people interested in the company, it's all being reflected as such. And it's a major problem. And it, here's the thing about this podcast. It didn't really reveal 
anything new or shocking. Yeah, that was, I thought, the more interesting thing is that people reacted like this was like breaking news. Oh my God, Vince McMahon out of touch, gasp. And it's like, what? Like All this did was confirm what we all already have been hearing from people inside the company and from sources who know people inside the company and from everybody who has sources inside the company. Or anybody that it's- watches it. Just fucking watch an episode of TV and you'll see. Like, it's not hard to see it. it it's very obvious. And it's terrible, awful television with no redeeming qualities. It's that bad. I'm not exaggerating. It is It is legitimately that awful. And this just confirms all of the things that everyone has been saying that people in the company have been saying. And now you're hearing it from one of the horse's mouths. And this, and, and he's not going to be the last one. He won't be. Um, because it's it's widespread. And there's a lot of people unhappy there. And hopefully... This is an eye-opener for some of the people who were in denial or were truthers or who didn't understand how bad it is or are in denial about the ratings tumbling. And it's it's bad TV and it's poorly constructed. And he really ripped apart the whole creative process, too, and how disorganized it is. Right. I wanted to get into that because I thought that was super interesting as well. Because we, we, you know, we hear that, ah, you know, the, the writers, they fucked me over. You know, we, we hear that sort of stuff from everybody that always says, ah, I didn't get a push or I didn't do this or I didn't do that or whatever. But he talks about, and, and again, like I said, very calmly, which I really liked. Is that you know we get the script from a writer and go this shit sucks. The writer would go yeah I know. <laughs> He'd say did you write this? And he's yeah. like no yeah. I didn't. And they're like all right so Vince wrote it. Then like all right can you get him to change this? And they would go on oh, you know go ask Vince. So we'd wait in the office. Hey Vince can I change this? Yeah yeah sure we'll we'll consider it. Then it would come back with a note saying no Dean has to read this. And Dean would say oh Jesus go back to Vince's office. And he said like after six years of this like this song and dance. And he said like. If we if we had less time, I think the exact quote was, you know, if we had if we didn't spend as much time trying to make ourselves not look like idiots, we could actually tell good stories. And I was like, oh my God, thank you. You're preaching the choir there. Because he's saying all of this time and all this effort and all these employees are running around just changing scripts and and hey, can I not say this? Can I hey can maybe can I say this instead? Or yada yada yada. And that's what we're doing. Instead of like guys getting together and saying, Hey, here's the story we can tell in our match, or you know, hey, you know, with the agents or the writers or whatever, hey, okay, so here's what I want to say, and then here's what we can do to build this match up. Instead, it's just a bunch of people waiting around to try to get someone to change a script. And it's like that's a terrible process. It's an awful creative process, especially for the live TV show. And we hear about it all the time where shit gets rewritten you know minutes before the show or while the show is going on and it's just it, it, it it's maddening and i cannot imagine being in that company and having to sit backstage read a script and go oh nah, jesus do i really have to do this what you know hey ask a writer hey can i change this the writer going eh, you know, it's not really my <laughs> you know like it's just what are we doing here it's just a bunch of back and forth and i think you brought that up too is you know just after so many years it just dragged you down because i'm i think the exact what i wanted to highlight this one was you know six years of having going to this man in office this old man and trying to explain to him why wearing a surgical mask is a stupid idea why carrying a little red wagon to the ring is a stupid idea why naming a mac into the ring is a stupid idea i was just like i was done bingo <laughs> you know what yeah. i mean right there and 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 just the the whole thing where the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. I love that the writers what? would be like, oh, I didn't write it. I don't know. <laughs> like who wrote this? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's like, what? what are we doing? Or just one week being a heel. And then the next week, they, the next day they decide he's a baby face and there's no motivations. There's no rhyme or reason. It's just, oh, I'm a baby face now. And, and it's just, that just shows a lack of planning as well. It's like the only thing pre-planned in that company is maybe a general idea of the WrestleMania main event the next year. Other than that, they really are just flying by the seat of their pants. And everybody who gets on Meltzer and claiming he's making things up when he says that, 
you know, they're still writing raw scripts as the show is going on, or they don't know what they're, you know, they're, they're going week to week. Well, here you have somebody who was inside at the very top of the company confirming all of that. It's a shit show. It is an absolute shit show. And that's why the results are what they are. That's why they're siphoning viewers, why they have, they've lost 3 million viewers in three years. Why they had a money losing quarter. How does that company have a money losing quarter with all of the income that they generate? And all the advantages that they have. I know we're not going to have any more money losing quarters once these TV deals kick in. I get it. Okay. And they got that Saudi money. We all yeah, next, next quarter two, two is going to look very good. That other is going to be popping nice and big in Q2. So. But how the fuck does a company this large and vast with, with the advantages they have and the income they generate have a money losing quarter in the first it's, at that That's mind blowing. This is hell. Because it's absolute shit. The way it's constructed and put together and done and the creative process and everything else and, and nobody's happy. You got Sasha Banks going home. Uh, you got Pac going home and willing to sit home for nine months and presumably not even be paid. You got this guy just quietly waiting out the clock and then the first opportunity he has, he's burying everybody six feet under. You got revival in the Canellises and Luke Harper and 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 Kenta and TJP. and and TJP and 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 ten uh, guy ten guy and ten guy and probably a bunch of others that we're forgetting begging to be allowed to leave uh, so they don't have to be there anymore. So it's it's a fucking shit show. It's a disaster, and the results are showing. And this really wasn't so much again new information or an eye opener, except confirmation. For what's going on there. And the guy at the top, here's what was here's what was eye-opening. It's like the guy at the top genuinely believes that this stuff is good. Yeah, it's good shit. It's real good shit. It's real good shit. It's terrible. It's shit. And, <laughs> yeah, leave the good out. And everybody recognizes it from the writers to the wrestlers to the critics. Everybody recognizes it. Except one guy who insists that it's real good shit. This is why people connect with you. Is he serious? This is why people stopped connecting with him. Rich, we were saying it for four years. They had a chance with this guy. Mm -hmm. I remember the exact conversation we had. He climbed up the ladder. Remember, he came back, climbed up the ladder to attack Seth Rollins, and the pop was, and we said, this, they got a star. If they don't fuck this guy up, they have a star. I forget what that was. SummerSlam. I, I want to say SummerSlam. Maybe I'm wrong on the exact timing, but it was it was definitely like four years ago. Forget exactly the context, but he climbed up a ladder and attacked Seth Rollins. And the crowd just went absolutely nuts, and we said they got a guy. We went on the show that week and said they have a star as long as they don't fuck it up. And then pretty much within two weeks, he was shooting mustard and throwing pretzels at people, and we we're like, all right, they fucked it up. So, yeah, he became a rodeo clown. He became a prop comic. He was the guy, not Roman. He would have been the guy because it was happening. It was happening with him organically. People we have just the receipts, by it. the way. Don't don't do this. You know, oh, you're saying that now, bullshit. No, go back and listen to. I I don't advise you to go back and listen to shows from four years ago, but we got the receipts. We we were on this air saying I remember the exact quote, the exact show, all that sort of stuff. There are receipts. So if you want to, don't even start with oh yeah, revisionist bullshit. Or now that he's not there, you're going to say that bullshit. We were saying it at the time too. He said he was the guy, and don't cancel me for things I said four years ago because I've been canceled for them already. I've been canceled more than Sabu. So don't try to do that either if you go back and listen. But the point here is we knew he, he because his, it was organic with him. People genuinely, it, with Roman, it was always trying to coerce people into liking him. And we said it at the time. They're not going to go with this guy. They're going to go with the other guy because he looks the part. 
of what Vince thinks you're supposed to look like because Vince is caught in another decade. But this is the guy that the people will naturally latch on to. He is the bastard child of Stone Cold Steve Austin and Rowdy Roddy Piper. And they fucked it up. Because once Vince McMahon gets his idea of what somebody is and what's going to get them over, there's no turning back. And he ruins 90% plus of the people who come through that main roster because he just gets an idea of what they are. The subtlety hammer takes effect and they're done. And if you don't believe me, go listen to this podcast again. He will walk you through how they systematically destroyed his chances to, to get over to his maximum potential to the point where by the end he was just another guy. And he should have been the guy because they had that window. They had that window. But then you got Vince. This is how the people connect with you. It's real good shit. But it's awful. It's awful. And he knew it. The viewers knew it because they gave up on him. Every critic knew it. This show knew it. The only person that doesn't know it is the only person that matters. And that's why main roster WWE fucking stinks. It's so bad. It's irredeemably bad. And that's why the two people doing this show who spend hours upon hours watching wrestling every week, wasting all their time watching this dumb fake sport, are among the three million people who no longer watch what by all rights should be the flagship wrestling show on earth. The entire wrestling world should gather around Raw every week, Monday at 8 o'clock or whatever fucking time zone you're in when it comes on. But that's not the case anymore. Nobody's watching. No one's gathering for it because it fucking stinks. Right, and I did for 20 years. It was it was habitual. It was I didn't even think of doing anything else on a Monday night. When 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 I first started dating Michelle, it was like, yeah, Mondays, that's what I do. Like even and we're talking like what, 2011, 2012, not nearly like not really the highest times of high, but like that it was it was it was what I do. That's what I do on Mondays is I watch Raw and and yeah, it it just doesn't happen anymore because there's no re- every time I put it on, it just makes me annoyed and frustrated and I just turn it off. And and it's becoming less and less motivated to even watch the pay-per-views these days. I, I do them because I have to for the show, but like I, I don't want to, you know what I mean? Like I talked about it uh, in the, the money in the big preview. I just had no thoughts on it. It's just, I'm cold and I'm dead as far as that company goes. And it, it, it's super interesting. I think uh, an interesting point brought up by, um, listen to a wrestling observer live uh, a couple weeks back. Mike, Mike Semperview, who's a, a friend of the site. I know he listens to the show uh, every so often brought up that, you know, and, and, and they were kind of having a big picture talk about, you know, Vince and the creative and the ratings and all that sort of stuff. And I thought he brought up a really interesting point about that. And we saw that with the Ambrose thing too. We saw it with this interview is that there is a vision of pro wrestling that Vince McMahon has. And there's a vision of what he's doing, which is, is, is not necessarily pro wrestling. It's not sport. It's not drama. It's not comedy. It's, it's WWE. You, you know what I mean? Like it is, it is kind of its own thing. If you had to try to describe what an episode of Monday Night Raw is to somebody, I don't know that you could easily do it in like a sentence. You, you know, if you try, if someone said, Hey, I want to watch this thing on Mondays. Can you describe it to me? I don't know that you can in a sense. It's kind of its own little universe and own little thing. And it's, I, I guess, kind of like a, a sports centric pro wrestling themed variety show, I guess. Like, but, but the problem with that is like, you're not getting comedy people. Like how many people that love comedy are tuning into Monday Night Raw to say, ha, this is good shit. This is hilarious. I, I would I would highly doubt many. The sports fans we know aren't going there because the second there's a good sport on, the second there's an NBA game on or an NFL game, they're fucking bouncing. We can see the numbers. The second yeah. the Warriors and the Rockets are on, they'll watch the first two hours of Raw. 
boom, Warriors, Rockets, fuck off, I'm out of here, bye. And they're going to watch the sports. We know that they, the sports fans, go to sports when they want sports, not WWE. And, and you know, pro wrestling fans, we've seen too that little by little, there's that, you know, there's already a small niche that they're sort of trying to get with, 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 with you know, pro wrestling fans. And we've seen them sort of siphon off little by little, go watch other stuff, stop watching wrestling altogether. We, we know that. We know the numbers are down across the board. So, you know, Sam Favreeby brought up that, like, they kind of have kind of created their own brand of entertainment, this WWE brand of entertainment. But the problem is there's no way for new fans to get involved in WWE brand of entertainment because the learning curve of jumping into an episode of Raw is insane. Like, what the fuck is going on? Like, honestly, I would love to get in, like, a focus group and turn an episode of Raw on to some random crowd of people that have never seen it before and just see what they think about it. I mean, with the, the camera cuts, the verbiage doesn't make any sense. Like, the, the just everything is just so weird. And it's like, yeah, it's if you watch WWE and you're used to it, yeah, then it's kind of commonplace for you. Yeah, okay, this is pretty normal. But think of somebody on the outside. Think of a new fan. Think of uh, anybody who's watching this thing. Like, they've created their own brand of entertainment, but by doing so, they've created such a hard entrance point that, like, how the hell do you become a fan of this? And where do you become a fan of this? What's the entry point for people? For me, you know, we talk about all the time, sports was our entry point. I wanted, you know, sports with the, you know, the volume turned up. And that's what I got, you know, with, with, with wrestling. I don't know what a modern fan would start watching for, other than they really into this WWE brand of entertainment thing. And that's kind of, we're, we're seeing that too. When, when you got guys that that love wrestling, and Jericho, I thought, had a good quote too, which I'll get to in a sec. But like Jericho talked about wrestling and, and how he loved wrestling. And Moxley talked about, okay, this is what, I, and we know that that's a, a point that a lot of people bring up is like, this isn't, you know, I know what good wrestling is. I know what got me to become a fan growing up. And what you were doing now is not that. And and why, I don't know why we're not doing that. I don't know what we're doing right now. Nobody knows what they're doing right now. You know, I think yeah. Ambrose, I, let me try to find the one quote that he said too. Um, yeah, they hand me these scripts. And to my eye, all the things that are on these scripts, they're typical WWE scripts. It's a bunch of words, a bunch of big words, a bunch of goofy words. None of it makes any sense to me. We're not telling any kind of tangible story. We're not doing anything to get any of the characters over or nothing that makes any sense to me. So, you know, typical. Yeah, that's it right there. And then, typical WWE scripts. Yeah, they're just its own world now. It's its own form of entertainment, which it's is its own. Yeah, which is fine. But, its but like language and its own its own verbiage, its own language. And, and yeah, and and nobody likes it. Rich, we're to the point now where Raw this week did its. I think it did its fourth worst number of all time. And there are some people celebrating because it was up a little. Mm -hmm. That's the point we've reached with that show where it can do the fourth worst number ever. And internally, some people see it as a success because they were up a little bit from the week before. I mean, it's, it's gotten ugly. And, and there's another, and I think you said this one already, but it's a good follow-up to the quote you gave already. Six years of having to go into this man's office, this old man, and trying to explain to him why wearing a surgical mask is a stupid idea, why carrying a little red wagon to the ring is a stupid idea, why naming a mannequin in the ring is a stupid idea. I was just like, I was done. Vince can't just let me be. He's got to put a hat on me or put me in a goofy vehicle or something. All of the shit we talk about, every single thing we talk about, none of it makes sense. All of it's stupid. None of it connects with anybody. And it, and, and now we're getting tangible proof that this shit doesn't connect with anyone. And that's pissing everybody. And here's another thing. And no one has said this. Can, can all of these goofballs and dopes and idiots and morons and, and who, who, who claim that Wade Keller was getting worked and that Wade Keller, everything he reported was 100% on point when he broke this story. That Dean Ambrose was letting his 
contract run out, and he nailed the reasons. If you recall, the one quote he got from the inside was something to the effect of, he doesn't like his goofy character stuff and his goofy promos, and he's had enough, and he's throwing his hands. That all turned out to be 100% correct. And you got these same goofballs who were claiming, still claiming that this was all a work because of the video. Which, oh, Rich, how Jesus much, Christ. I'm, yeah, I'm that's the victory lap. I'm, I can't I'm, wait for that. I'm one. setting you up. I'm setting you up here because of the video, which WWE had to have produced. How much did it cost, Rich? What was well, it, 8,000? I think you said 8,000. Yeah, first off, we gotta, did, we're burying the lead there because there's an incredible antidote in there. <laughs> How much did you say? How much did you say it cost? I think I said, if I remember correctly, I said somewhere between five and eight thousand is what I said. I think I may have said four to eight. I don't know the exact point is you nailed it. I was close. I was maybe a thousand dollars off, and only because they did a weird flex and ordered a camera, rented a camera. They did not need that. The camera that he got, they could have easily shaved two thousand off and gotten a much just a normal camera, which will do similar stuff to that. Uh, but they had to do the flex and, and do the camera that, you know, he even said, ah, yeah, it's a camera that, I don't know, like Lord of the Rings was filmed on or whatever. You don't need the Lord of the Rings camera, guys. You can just get a decent DSLR. So if they honestly shaved that off, they would have been exactly in what I said. I think I said 6,000 or I said, you know, I did. I said 6,000 was my total. I think I said between five and 6,000 is what I could do it for. And if you don't get that, that really expensive camera, that'd be right in that money there. Yeah. Point is you nailed it. And, and, you know, and, and, and it's uh, people just can't, can't accept Maybe they do now, now that this interview has come out, that people are miserable there and just how sad the state of affairs are. It's indefensible. And really, not a lot of people attempted to defend the company's side. This really silenced a lot of people that normally would be real chatty about things. But this silenced a huge, a huge corner of fandom that is normally defending the company. Because this, this is a real – this is confirmation from someone who was there. This isn't just word of mouth or from mystery sources anymore. You can't just brush it off by saying people are making things up. No, no, no. This is straight from the horse's mouth. You can't deny any of this. So, so yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, uh, just it's just amazing. Everything we've been saying about this man are the exact same things he said about his own time there. Yeah. Yeah, the video thing was just perplexing. People being like, oh, there's no way. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, it's like two scenes and a camera and somebody knows how to edit. And little did I know that it was fucking sick Nick Mondo that's behind this. Like, what an yeah. unbelievable story. And we'll talk about it a little bit more when we talk about the Juice uh, match coming up, too. But sick Nick Mondo's behind that, too. Just as we predicted, Joe, 2019 would be the year that sick Nick Mondo would be a part of one of the biggest stories of the year. Just like we yeah, predicted yeah, yeah. at the beginning of the year. <laughs> They've got a washed-up deathmatch wrestler doing this stuff in his basement. It's it's really not that. And this is what we were trying to tell people. But you know, similar to WWE, they live in their own little fucking universe that that they don't know things exist outside. Like you know, me and Mike Spears were talking about that. Like looking at this video and saying, you know what, dude, we could easily do this thing for four to five thousand dollars easily. This isn't that hard. It's a smoke machine, a fucking set. And a camera and a guy that knows how to edit and a few and lights. whatever and, and whatever the bricks cost at Home Depot. <laughs> right, exactly. Mm-hmm. We well, said he went to a set in Hollywood that had like, yeah, there's a prison and a bar and then like a street. It's like it's not that hard to find like locations. Yeah. Like this is it's just again, people live in their own universes that like I think a lot of people and, and and we see that with wrestling fans more and more. I think that live in this, especially WWE fans that live in this this Vince McMahon created universe. And if something happens, it had to be because Vince McMahon said it. It's like no, this guy while he was with the company took a fucking weekend and said, hey, sick Nick Mondo, you want to borrow a camera? Let's go out and fucking hang around Hollywood. Oh, for Rich, a bit. he didn't just take a weekend. Here's a 
He told Vince to go fuck himself when Vince said, hey, can you do the European tour for me? That was a nice little bit <laughs> yeah. that I enjoyed too. Uh, do me a favor. We need the shield on the European tour. No, fuck you. I'm not going to. He even said, call Dave. Yeah, I call guess Dave, call Triple H, call Brock, call somebody else. I ain't your Huckleberry this time. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going on your European tour. Get lost. He was I committed hope to a film project, which we all found out was the sick Nick Fondo. Because like, everybody's then reported, oh, Dean's yeah. not going to go to AEW right away. He's, gonna, he's got a film project to do. Well, he did, but it was this fucking the thing that we saw immediately when his contract was up, which I think is kind of funny too. So. I really hope when Vince asked him to go to Europe, he did the hand job motion, as he said. Yeah, oh, for sure. I am am hoping that he did the fucking hand job motion because it would just uh, totally fit. And it's what Vince deserves. I mean, you know, it's and no and 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 no wonder, you know, now I get it why they kissed his ass on the way out. You know, they want him to go to Europe. They want him to go to Europe. They want to make sure that after he went home and slept it off, maybe he'd come back. Uh, You know, but he basically worked them. He made them think that he was, you know, just looking for a break. And, uh, you know, they had no clue, according to Meltzer, that this guy was going to AEW until like a couple days before he showed up in AEW. So, you know, there's there's that aspect to it, too, where it's like, you know, he didn't share. Why would he share any of that information? Why would he share any of his plans? Why would he share that he was talking to New Japan? Because he signed the New Japan deal before he signed the AEW deal. So he had all these wheels in motion. He had that video set to hit Twitter at midnight the day he was free. So, I mean, this guy, for a guy that we all think is kind of this loose cannon and just floating through life, he kind of has it all together. I mean, he thought all this through, and and he had a plan. And for a guy who was never on social media, he's certainly leveraging that to the best of his ability, more better than most people, you know, uh, to, to drum up interest in himself and, and to get people fired up for him. Because right now, He's the hottest name in wrestling. I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, when you combine the fact that he was revealed as the New Japan guy, the enormous pop he got at AEW, he might be doing the G1. I mean, you know, and this was a guy who a couple of weeks ago, we were sitting here perplexed why they were making such a big deal out of this guy who was a nice little upper mid-carder. Now, he's the hottest thing in wrestling. And a lot of that is because of the way he positioned himself on the way out. So you got to give him, that's a great job out of him, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, he, he did an, an amazing job of that role. And he said that, you know, he, he found a guy to do some social media stuff. So that kind of helped a little bit where, where, you know, he was able to change his name right at midnight. He was able to launch the video right at midnight. He, he found a buddy that was a filmmaker, which again, is not very hard to do. <laughs> you know, he needs a camera and a computer and, and a little bit of know-how. Uh, and yeah, he got it all kind of ready to go and got all his deals and, 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 you know, ducks in a row and stuff. And that's, I think that what you said, the benefit to letting your contract ride out, which kind of sucks for some people. And I get it. It's awful to say, hey, you got eight more months of this shit, just kind of swallow it up. But he was able to do that and say, all right, look, my drop date is this. So he was able to go to New Japan and say, hey, look, this is when I'm done. Let's get things done. And by the way, contract tampering doesn't exist. So don't fucking bring it up. It's not that, you know, it's the thing that everybody always, well, you can't talk to New Japan while you're under, okay, well, once they start, you know, actually signing real contracts and then independent contractor bullshit, you're allowed to, you know, (laughs) worry. You're allowed to talk to other companies. Yeah, it's not this fucking thing. Well, even then. The people think it is because those are internal rules within sports leagues to keep right. things fair. Yeah, it's an it antitrust the- sports league agreement. It has nothing to do with fucking the real and, world. Am- so. among, among the franchises themselves. Yes, that's just to keep things. Collectively bargained to- among the franchises. Yeah, it has nothing to do with, with two separate entities. With the real world. I mean, if I, you have a job, Joe, you can apply for another job and your job can't stop you from doing that. You know what I mean? Like, it's it, the idea. Yeah, that- you, I can go on a, I go, you go on a job interview and negotiate terms with someone else. It's not. 
con even if you're under con it's a contract it it doesn't yeah you're right it, it's it's 99 percent of the time that it's not real and it doesn't exist yeah which is so that it's, to his benefit too he was able to say okay may 3rd whatever the day was may whatever is that's my day when i'm done so what i can do is you know i'll tell them hey i'm done may 1st so here let's agree there i can get this video ready in february and have it ready to go i mean fucking february is what he said he had it done like i was he's got it and he's ready to sit on it and that's the benefit i think of 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 letting it ride out versus somebody like we talk about where, where, where Sasha just wants to sort of quit and then let everything. And and I'm not, you know, discrediting her whatsoever. I think she's well in her right to kind of do what she's doing or whatever. I just don't know if it's the right way to go about it because they're not going to, I, I don't know. I don't know what the result is going to be for her. We don't know quite yet, but there's a, there's a difference between what Ambrose said where he just said, all right, fuck, I'll swallow shit for six months. Cause I know this day I'm out and I can do this, 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 and this, the second my contract's done versus somebody who has an unknown history. Like I don't, Sasha doesn't know what they're going to do. They might tack on another nine months to a contract. They might do whatever. Whereas Dean kind of held his ground and, and knew that, Hey, if I go there every single day and do my thing and, and do what they tell me to do, even if I'm fucking miserable, you know, once my day is done, you know, whatever day it's going to be, I'm ready to go and I'm, I'm ready to launch this thing and, and, and get going, which is cool. And he also mentioned too, that then he gets all of his, you know, residuals or whatnot. So he said, I think if, you know, if a shield Blu-ray sells in Cambodia, I'm going to get my two cents or whatever. And I was like, ah, yeah, you know, it's a smart idea too. So he's, he's doing it for a guy that we think is kind of this, you know, lunatic and unhinged or whatever. He's, as you said, he's, he's a pretty smart dude. Yeah. So I think he, he did a tremendous job. Credit to Wade Keller. He nailed it when everybody said that, that, uh, it couldn't possibly be true, and uh, it, it turned out that that story was uh, a million percent accurate. And uh, this is a a very very bad week if you are uh, some sort of uh, uh, WWE defender, uh, you know, uh, some kind of Vince McMahon ass sniffer. This is a this is a bad week for you. This is a real bad week because uh, nothing that happened this week. Um, you know, uh, it gives you any reason to uh, pound your chest or, or, uh, or, 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 or take any victory laps of your own because AEW did tremendous. Um, the show was great. The show did great business. Uh, John Moxley just took a giant shit on on the creative process and the company and how the star making machine is broken. And 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 you know, uh, you would think that WWE would be motivated by all this and maybe it would spark some change. And Baron Corbin is your next challenger for the, uh, right. for the universal so. title and headline. <laughs> so next no. so they don't learn anything and they go out there and have one of the worst uh, received Raws in a long time where they don't have a match hit the ring until like the 51 minute mark. And it's uh, Shane McMahon versus a jobber. And you know, well, and, that's, that's and, a mad Lance anyway. <laughs> Disrespect. Uh, yes. A big jump from MLW, a huge jump yeah. from MLW. And they go out there and just have another terrible raw. It's just business as usual. And, um, you know, there, there were people out there who thought that they would respond to all of this with, you know, a very high energy raw that, well, we'll show everybody how this is done. No, it was. Well, they did. They showed everybody how it's done and what they think is how it's done is done, which is, you know, the Usos fucking around on Labor Day parties, throwing cornhole with all the jobbers. And it's like, that's what they think this is. That's yeah. good shit. You know, that's, they, you know, to people saying, oh, I thought they were going to respond with what, you know, a great show to one to somebody that that was a great show. You know, we yeah. talk about we talk about the the famous quote after uh, December to December or whatever. You know, it's you know it, it, it's there's certain you know it's just it, what 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 we think is good and what the general populace is obviously responding uh, to what's good or bad is not what you know the man who's controlling it thinks is good or bad. So I think he thought it was a great raw. He thought, hey, I'm doubling down. I'm doing exactly what we yeah. do because we do it better than anybody can do it. And this is what it was. So, for how many years have they done? shows on various holidays and had people either throwing food or eating food or at a picnic oh, or God. that's another tired ass trope that they do. Who do they think enjoys that? Does anyone enjoy that? Watching the Usos play cornhole with the revival? 
<laughs> and people eating hot dogs and wearing party hats. Like, do, do they really think that that's good TV? And like, it's rhetorical because, like you said, this man does think that yes. that's good. <laughs> he does. Because the next Raw or SmackDown that falls on a holiday, they'll be doing it again. Right. Thanksgiving, they'll be throwing fucking gravy. And they'll end in a food yeah. fight. All the jobbers will get in a food fight. <laughs> and and who thinks that's funny or entertaining or good? Uh, you know, no one. And it's reflected in the fact they've lost 3 million viewers in three years. Uh, one thing before we move on, I did want to touch on uh, Jericho, as I said, did not say much. He just kind of said, mm-hmm, yeah, no, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, no, same old shit. But one quote that he did say, it was right at the beginning of it, and then he kind of, as you said, let Dean sort of have the floor. But I thought this was really interesting because we talked about, you know, for many, many years when Jericho would say those quotes where I would never work for anybody else, I'm, I'm, I'm loyal to WWE or whatever. And yes, I'm sure the wheelbarrow of cash that Tony Khan brought to him probably changed his mind a little bit, but I thought this was an interesting quote that he brought as well. Uh, he says, I love the WWE. I wrestled there for 18 years, had no intentions of ever wrestling anywhere else other than for the WWE and for Vince McMahon until an opportunity came to work with Kenny Omega at the Tokyo Dome last year. And when I did that match, I realized this is actually really fun. I think that's an interesting quote. When I did that, I realized that this is actually really fun. And I'm reasons, which I'm sure we'll get into a lot more free, felt a lot more like an artist. I felt like there were no more chains or restrictions for what I could and couldn't do. I was allowed to be Chris Jericho, a 28 year old vet who knew how to put together a wrestling match. So I thought that was a very, very interesting quote from Jericho. Again, it got all swallowed up by, by all the Ambrose stuff, but here's the guy again, who said like, you know, when you're in the confines of it, it's, it's, it's kind of like this wizard of Oz effect. You're just used to black and white. You're just used to the way it is. And then you burst out of the scene and you do something else. Ambrose kind of mentioned it too. When I, you know, he's off and watching other wrestling, like, Oh, you know what? No wrestling is good. I love wrestling. Jericho goes and does this match with Omega, which, you know, we knew that he told I think he even said the quote that he told Vince McMahon, he was going to do this match and Vince gave his blessing and all that sort of stuff. But, but once Jericho finally left that realm kind of thought, Oh, geez. Oh my God, this is great. Like, Oh, I like wrestling again. And it's this weird thing where then you start seeing color. Once you leave, you start, and, and we hear that from a bunch of other people. They say, once you leave, it, it just kind of changes and it's different, it's unique or whatever. So I thought it was an interesting quote from Jericho. You know, while, he didn't say much, but that I thought was one enlightening one from him. So, yeah, they get a taste of the outside, you know, and they realize that, that wrestling could be fun. And that's something Moxley hit on too. He just, it, it, the company was making him hate wrestling. And we heard that from CM Punk too, if you want to tie it back to that. It, 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 it totally killed CM Punk's love of wrestling. To the point he wants nothing to do with it anymore. So, uh, so yeah, very uh, just uh, confirming a lot of things. That and and I I hope that as more people leave the company, they all do similar interviews, and maybe that company can be shamed into into changing some things. But um, you know, I I, I I doubt it. They they genuinely think what they're doing is good. That's right. the real eye opener to me. And it, they it's genuinely sort of think too. it's good. You know, not to interrupt, but like it's in, and there's always this idea that we want the show to suck. (laughs) You know what I mean? That, oh, everybody wants WWE. I don't want WWE to suck. I would love to be able to every, you know, every few Sundays pop on my WWE network and enjoy it. I would love to go back to appointment viewing. Nobody wants this company to suck. (laughs) You know, everybody wants it to be good. And and that's what you're saying. Like the the people leaving and and, and bringing about change is not because we want the whole thing to topple down the business, you know, company to go out of uh, business or whatever, but just that like we all see some of the problems. We all know what some of the problems are. This confirmed some of the things that we've been seeing and talking about for years and years and years. And it's just like, it would be better. There's a better way to do this (laughs) than the way they're doing it, but they're not going to change. You know, as long as there's that guy on top sitting in this chair, things aren't going to change. Things like this aren't going to make them. Here's the only thing that will force change is if Fox goes to them and says, Hey, listen, this is not what we signed up for. Get the rating up. That's the only thing that's going to motivate them because those TV deals are what's are going to drive everything. So uh, that is who they're going to listen to. 
they're not going to listen to you, the fan. They're not going to listen. They they claim to listen to the fan. They don't listen to the fans. They haven't listened to the fans for for a decade and a half. Uh, they're not going to listen to stuff like this. They're going to be stubborn until the viewership drops to a level that the networks aren't happy. You know that that's that's what they'll listen to. But um, who knows? Maybe AEW uh, can eventually, if AEW comes out and does a big number on TNT. Maybe that'll make them pay attention. I I don't know. But um, a smooth transition here to the AEW Double or Nothing. This review will be presented to you by Grapple. Everyone should go download that app right now. Apple, uh, your your uh, your iPhone, your Android it is on both uh, uh, b- both. Uh, what do you call those? Uh, yeah, operating systems. Operating yeah, system. yeah, there you go. Let's, let's get technical so, uh, here. Yeah, just remember, leave the E out. G-R-A-P-P-L, if you're going to search for it. We've had a lot of people that will say, hey, I can't find the app or whatever. G-R-A-P-P-L, if you want to download the grapple app. Joe and I are both on there, too. You can follow us uh, and uh, check out our ratings for all these shows that we watch as well. And, and there's a bunch of other people. I know a bunch of our listeners get on there. And it's been kind of fun. It's kind of become part of the lexicon in, in some ways, where we'll be talking about a match, and people will go on to grapple and see, hey, what was the rating there? What's the average there? So that's kind of cool uh, that's happened. But yeah, G-R-A-P-P-L. So leave the E out there. So double or nothing. Um, big picture thoughts. AEW's first attempt at pro wrestling. Uh, look, I, I don't. I think it'd be very hard to describe this show as anything other than a massive success, uh, both from an in-ring standpoint, a presentation standpoint, how the show came off, how the vast majority of people reacted to the show, how excited it made people for pro wrestling in the United States again. And then as we found out just a couple hours before we recorded this podcast, how well it did from a business standpoint, we knew it was a sellout for a long time. Uh, but the first pay-per-view estimates have come out and we're looking at uh, just a shade under a hundred thousand pay-per-view buys. And when all of the replay buys are counted, this is going to do uh, about a hundred thousand or it's going to do over a hundred thousand buys, which would make it the most successful non WWE or WCW pay-per-view of all time. There was an ECW show that did 99,000 buys. It's uh, probably going to surpass that if the estimates are accurate. Uh, TNA's record was 60,000 buys. So it crushed that. It, uh, it crushed uh, all in, uh, which you can say uh, uh, was maybe uh, their first unofficial show. So by any measure doing uh, roughly a hundred thousand pay-per-view buys is a massive success especially since they don't have television yet. Uh, There was a ton of interest in this show. I knew it was going to do a big pay-per-view number the night of because as I was watching the show, and I ordered the show, as I was watching the show, I was also on my laptop scanning all of the the pirate sites, Rich. Uh, Not that I frequent those. but No, to report report each and every one to the authorities, for sure. That's right. Thank you for your service, Joe. I I asked people who frequent those kind of sites where I should look. But I, I was checking out the popular uh, pirate sites, and um, a lot of them were so overloaded with activity that they were crashing. So that right there, I was like, wow, this pay-per-view is going to do massive numbers because there is incredible interest in this show, the likes of which I haven't seen for a, uh, you know, a, what would you call it, a third-party pay-per-view or a non-WWE show or a non-Wrestle Kingdom in, 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 in a long time. And, um, and then, you know, uh, once I saw the Google trends that people like Brandon, Brandon Howard and Dave Meltzer, uh, reported, which were just incredible, uh, the, the, the Google 
some of the Google trends for double or nothing were quadruple. Uh, the Google trends for money in the bank, uh, same show comp, like, uh, you know, one day after money in the bank compared to one day after double or nothing. And it was quadruple. I mean, that's, that's huge. And, um, you know, number two trending topic in, in, uh, in either the world or the U S I can't remember what they've said, uh, for that day, uh, in terms of the Google searches. So everything pointed to this thing, doing a big number, uh, Meltzer said his response for the, uh, for his, uh, thumbs up, thumb down poll just crushed everything. Uh, crushed every Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, you know, he had seventeen hundred responses. So, from that perspective, and even our review. Yes, yeah, uh, I was about to bring that up. Our review. It was the highest review that we've had since uh, the prior year's WrestleMania. So the la- the the highest we've had in in almost a year. So it was the prior year's WrestleMania and the prior year's Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, both were higher, but this beat even this year's Wrestle Kingdom double or nothing. And that was that was just the day after. I'm actually as we're talking, I'm gonna actually look it up right now to see. Yeah. Uh, where it, where it's standing now because I know we've been getting a few hits even even uh, after that so let's see where I'll see where it is while you're talking I'll, I'll see where it ranks um, yeah. year to date so no. the interest levels in the show it just I you know it, it's like I knew this thing was gonna do a big number and I think doing a hundred thousand pay per view buys with no TV and more than doubling all in um, is just there's no way to spin it Rich this was a massive success from a business standpoint and then the show delivered. The feeling coming out of the show from most people who watched it was that they were excited about American wrestling again and what kind of potential this thing has. And I can't blame them because um, it was a tremendous show. I mean, it wasn't perfect. There were some things about the show uh, that I didn't like, particularly the pre-show, which I thought was an abomination. I thought the pre-show, when I was watching the pre-show, I was thinking to myself, they are dropping the ball huge, and this show has a chance to be terrible, based on the pre-show. And I- yeah, if I was on the fence, I think I would be. Uh, <laughs> I would have climbed off the fence and went and did anything else besides order the show for sixty dollars, given that pre-show. Yeah, I'm right with you on that. Rich, that if I bad. if I knew if I was someone who knew nothing about the roster, let's say I was a WWE fan who only followed WWE, or I was a lapsed wrestling fan, or just someone channel surf, whatever the fuck. And I came across this pre-show and I'm someone who potentially could have, I would have run for, I would have laughed at this thing and then ran away and, and not, they did nothing to entice people to buy this show. I can't imagine many fence sitters at all who needed to be convinced were convinced to buy more people were convinced to not buy the show by the scene than were convinced to buy it. Chris Jericho did not appear on the pre-show. Yeah. In the entire hour, how do you not have Chris Jericho all over that thing, cutting promos, uh, talking shit about Kenny Omega? He should have been every single bumper in between everything else. It should have been a Chris Jericho promo of some type. He should have been all over that thing. Kenny Omega didn't appear on the pre-show until the final five minutes when they did the comedy gimmick at the end. Which, I mean, give me a break. Those are your two biggest stars in your main event. And they're nowhere to be found. What do we get? Glacier. The librarians. <laughs> the librarians and Glacier. And, 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 the, and the freak show battle royal. That's what we get. Which, if you knew nothing about AEW or the people that were appearing on the pay-per-view, 
You, th- I would have thought this was comedy wrestling. Yeah, the parade of geeks. <laughs> Which, yes. you know, there's there's a lot of wrestlers that I really enjoy in that, but it felt like a parade of geeks. You know what I mean? Like that, that and that's that's nothing against some of the people that are in that battle royal. I think individually there were a lot of good wrestlers in there, a lot of good characters and people that will be important. But it felt like a parade of geeks. It was just fat guys and weird people and odd characters and silly people doing comedy and Orange Cassidy and it, it, and Tommy Dreamer and like you know it's just like it was. Yeah, I, I would have thought this is comedy. This is stupid. I'm out. Bye. Here's the thing: a lot of the acts in that battle royal were over to the live crowd, and over to the people who already knew who they were. The problem is, for all of those people, they're buying the pay per view already. Okay, the the purpose of the pre show is to draw in new viewers, people who aren't sure if they're going to buy it. Everyone who watched that pre-show who was fami- who thinks Orange Cassidy is is incredibly they were probably buying the show anyway. But if I'm someone who hasn't watched wrestling in the last 3 years or I've only watched WWE and I see Orange Cassidy doing his very confusing shtick, that's not convincing me to buy the show. I'm like, "What the fuck is this bullshit?" This is comedy bullshit. I don't, this is what I'm, I'm not paying $50 for 4 hours of this. Or this is the change. No. This is the revolutionary change for wrestling. Yeah. Isn't it? A bunch of fat guys and comedy things and all this sort of stuff. Like, eh, I don't know. Like that that to me wouldn't be what I consider change is, is Billy Gunn Glacier, Tommy Dreamer, uh, and a bunch of comedy guys. Would, you know, and, and that's essentially Day, what it was. Yeah. Was that thing? Sunny Days and uh and Orange Cassidy. I'm not putting any of those people anywhere near my TV to make my first impression on people. None of them. The pre-show matches should have been, okay. You want to put Sammy Guevara and Kip Sabian fight? No, that I thought for sure. I love that as as, as a pre-show. I didn't love the match itself, but I think that's a good... That matches while that match is going on, I am doing inset promos with Christian. You know what I mean? Like yes. one of those deals. Old school. That, that I would do old school was the the free for all, or I forget what WCW called theirs, where you have a match going on that that's decent, that keeps your attention. But but there's also you know oh hey well you know in, in an hour you know Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega are going to be battling like like where you can talk over it and it doesn't really. It's not demeaning to the wrestlers. It's a match that, that exists, is- and it's fine, and it's okay, and there's good stuff going on in the match. It's not a blowaway match. It's not a shitty match. It's just good it enough to keep your to attention, be. and then it's just enough where you can kind of take a break and say, okay, well, just so you know, Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho will be battling fifty nine ninety nine. You know, call your paper people. Like, that's what I'm doing. The hard sells every – and like you said, Jericho, 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 Jericho. That's my hard sell. It's Chris fucking Jericho. I cannot believe – not even a, a a little bit of a mention from Chris Jericho. Not even a, no, an appearance of Chris Jericho. Unbelievable. He, he didn't exist. Well, they, TNT and knew. It, I mean, TNT knew what they were going to push to get the BR Live thing. You know, they have Marvel. We're talking about Chris Jericho, and and but that's what I would have done. I would have absolutely. They and they knew they were smart enough to say, "Hey, Marv, Chris Jericho, there it is." You know, mention Kenny Omega, whatever. Who cares, Chris Jericho? That's the guy we need to mention. So I think that was you know they knew how to sell that thing. The Guevara Sabian match was a nice little prelim match with good action and good athletes. And it was fine. Okay. The Battle Royal was junk. It was a parade of geeks, like you said. It was a massive turnoff to me if you're someone who didn't know. Anyone who Orange Cassidy is over with was already going to buy the thing. Anyone else was like, who the fuck is this dork? Because he is a dork. He's a very inside baseball thing, and his 15 minutes are almost up. Okay. Let's be honest with Orange Cassidy. That's not an act that is going to have long standing appeal. Okay, it's gotten him over for the time being. It gets him over in places like beyond. Okay, that's fine. But this is big time. Major League Wrestling, or it's supposed to be. And I've got Sunny Days doing a bad Goldust cosplay, whatever the fuck that guy was. 
and 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 uh and and Orange Cassidy on my screen doing comedy shit. That's not drawing new people into buying this show. The the, the pre-show was terrible. Then, then, you know, Sadie Gibbs. Good for Sadie Gibbs. We don't need to know about Sadie Gibbs right now. Put Chris Chris Jericho on the screen. Yeah, good. Good for her. You know, we don't care about nobody. Nobody Nobody cares about about Sadie Gibbs. (laughs) Save it for the TV later. You want to get her over. I have nothing against her. No, no. Can we get Jericho on the screen? Please? Can we talk about the Lucha Brothers and the Young Bucks and the money matches on the show? No, we're talking about Sadie Gibbs, and we've got pretty Peter Avalon doing the librarian gimmick. Oh, my God. (laughs) It's garbage. The librarian thing. Just shoot that thing to the fucking moon. Just act like it never existed. Don't ever bring it up again. Never, ever, ever again, please. I'm begging you. (laughs) And if this is what your TV show is going to be, you're going to get canceled. Okay? No one wants that junk because we're getting it on Monday. And we just spent an hour tearing it apart. It's junk. Nobody wants it. Keep it on your little internet show. That's fine. This is the big time now. And you got to pull ratings. And you got to make money. And you got to draw new fans. Because these 11,000 fans aren't going to keep buying plane tickets to go to these shows. So eventually you're going to have to put up or shut up in every city you go to. And Leva Bates ain't it. Okay? That pre-show was an embarrassment. It was an abomination. And I'll tell anyone in that company who wants to hear it. It was horrible. There isn't a single person who watched that who could have possibly said, Oh, I'm dropping my 50 bucks on this. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Oh, Orange Cassidy. All right. Let's I, go. I, need yeah. more, I need more of people going shh to each other. Yeah, this is changing the world. This is, wrestling is back, baby. Peter Avalon. <laughs> Pretty big. Why are they even employed? Let's be honest. Why are they even employed? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, come on. The guy with no legs, that's fine for Joey Janela's spring break. All right, I'm sure he's a nice guy. Get, get, come on. This is what you're giving people on the pre-show? You're trying to get them to spend 50 bucks? I don't know. I did, that pre-show was a fucking abomination. It was yeah. terrible. <laughs> Luchasaurus getting the diesel push. Like... But here's the thing. And oh, here's the thing. God. Even like, okay, Luchasaurus. All right. I don't have a problem with Luchasaurus, but I have a problem with no context Luchasaurus. Because... It's just a guy out there in a ridiculous gimmick. He looked good, but you but you had 22 people in this battle royal, and 15 of them at minimum were absolute geeks out there with no context. And and you know you're playing to the crowd that you've already won over. Right, 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 right. That's the problem here with that battle royal and the people that were in it. All the cutesy insider bullshit. And these and people like Orange Cassie, you're playing to the crowd that already paid money. They're already sitting in the seat, and they're already going to buy the pay per view. You don't need to win Joe Lanza over or the nine people who watch Uncharted Territory. They're going to buy the show. You won them over already. Okay, you have to win over the Laps fan and the guy who has heard about this thing watching basketball from Marv Albert. Or the guy who heard about this thing 
you know, through word of mouth and is on the fence and doesn't know whether he's going to buy it. And my God, did they run the, it, that was strike one. You've run, you've, you've blown your first impression on all of those people with this dopey battle Royal, which, oh, by the way, was to crown the number one contender for your world title. I thought that was a bad look too. I mean, I obviously like the, the result is exactly what I would want it to be with, with, with Adam page winning. But like you said, if, if you're telling me that one of these men <laughs> is going to challenge for our world title and it's, you know, again, no offense to Ace Romero or, you know, Glacier or, or Marco stunt. I'm looking at that and going, really? That this yeah, yeah. one of these men is going to be your champion. How are you putting Marco stunt on your TV? How is that happening? He's not a major league wrestler. I'm sorry. Okay, and if you can't come up with 22 major league wrestlers for your very royal. first don't impression, do yeah. then, then do an eight-man battle royal or don't do one because you can't put those people on your TV, especially, especially as your very first impression. Okay? You can't do it. So to me, the pre-show is an absolute disaster outside the Sammy Guevara-Kip Sabian match, which was fine. And I thought Kip Sabian came off as a potential future star. He did. Yeah, he was great in this. And and Sammy's Sammy's awesome, too. I think Sammy, Sammy, look, Sammy's a a guy you can put on your roster, and he's going to go out there and have perfectly fine matches. And if you get lucky, then listen, he's like 22, okay? He's got a lot of potential as a heel, too, because I've seen it, okay? And, and, And he has a natural, there's a thing with him where it's very easy to hate him. Yes, he's he got a punchable that. face. He has a very, very he has punchable, punchable face. face. Yes. Exactly. I, when I went to a show with a guy who had never watched wrestling before, after Sammy's match, he said, fuck that guy. I hate that guy. And I was like, yep, that's perfect. Like, and I look, agree. Don't, and, and they're prelim guys now, and that's fine. You know, they, they, they eventually will get over or they'll fade away. And that, that's how wrestling works. Mm-hmm. And I, I had no problem with that match or those two guys or the match that they put forth. It was fine. It was no, perfect. No, not at all. That's a pre, that is exactly what you want out of a pre-show match. Right, yeah, that, that would have been ideal for me would be maybe that's my only match of the pre-show and the other p- time is is video packages talking about Omega and Jericho and then that match, which is in the middle of it or the end of it, whatever you want to do, and while that's going on, we're telling you, okay, while there's a spot in the match that nothing's going on, hey, by the way, you know, in, in a few minutes, we're going live on pay-per-view, 59.99, yada, 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 call your pay-per-view provider, whatever, Omega, Jericho, yada, 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 and it wasn't, it wasn't that. It wasn't the hard sell, and that's that. I hope they'll do better in the future about those because I think, you, as you said, you want to get the guy that's flipping, the guy that's clicking, the guy that's just sort of, okay, what are you guys offering here? What am I, you know, because you got us. We're watching no matter what. We don't need that, you know. These guys, all the better, everybody that's in the battle royal, I know about. I'm aware of. It, it's not me. This is not for me. It shouldn't be for me. It should be for those those potential buyers. But uh, uh, as far as the casino battle royal grapple users, two point four one on the grapple users. I uh, I was far less than that. I went one point five. I really really debated a one uh, for that as well because I really dislike the casino battle royal, and I usually like battle royals. But uh, I guess you know, like you said, it was over to the crowd, and the Adam Page win was good but there's a whole lot of shit in between there. So yeah, I went 1.5. What would you do on that? Well, one? it's a battle Royal. And we talk about this with the Rambos all the time. I don't care about match quality with a battle Royal. I don't, here's the weird thing. I didn't think it was a bad battle Royal. I actually thought it was a pretty decent battle Royal. I just hated the people that were in it, uh, that were being exposed to a whole new audience. And I didn't like it. I, I told you all the things I didn't like about it, but the match itself to me was fine. I went two and a half. I thought it was an average match It's a battle Royal. I, I, I don't need the battle Royal to be fucking Misawa Kabashi. I just don't need the geeks that were in it. 
Absolutely. And then as far as the Sabian Sammy, I went three. Uh, the grapple users, 2.93 as well. So we're kind of right in line with there. Uh, Joe, would you end up with that rating? Yeah, right there. It was a nice little three-star match. Yep. So everybody agrees. All right. So now we get to the actual business end of the show. Uh, before we do that, I did want to touch on a little bit of the uh, production commentary, that sort of stuff. So in terms of the set, uh, the way that it looked, I ordered on pay-per-view uh, the day after. Did you do pay-per-view or did you be, uh, be our live? I ordered a pay-per-view. Okay, so we, we don't know. I, from everything I heard, BR Live was, was was thumbs up. I know there were a few people that I knew that watched it on there, and they were all fine with it. As far as the pay-per-view quality, obviously, it looked good. The show looked solid. It looked you know, very, very professional-looking, very good on HD. I watched it on the big screen. Everything worked there. Uh, sound was was good. The crowd seemed to be projected pretty well, which I think is one thing that we we see now with wrestling these days. It's so hard to get a hot crowd, and it's so hard to, 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 to hear a hot crowd, even if it, they are being hot. This, I thought, was good. It helps being in the MGM Grand. I think it's a smaller arena kind of an old school arena with the, the big lower bowl, which I think is always, you know, advisable if, you, if you're running a wrestling show because it always sounds much better. So I thought that was good. Uh, commentary, um, Excalibur and, and JR well, and Alex Marvez. We'll get to it. So the commentary on the pre-show was just Excalibur and Alex Marvez. Well, I want to talk about the production a little bit. Yeah, before. go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. It's, it's like, all right, so I would look, if I have an option between pay-per-view and a stream, I'm taking pay-per-view every time because it's, it's streams are just – you never know. They well, have you? Did you did you delve into the BR Live app uh, at all? Because I had a buddy that was like, "Hey, how should I watch this show?" Complete casual friend, one of these people that we talk about that that knew nothing but kind of knew about the show and said, "Hey, I want to watch this because you know I, I'm I'm sick of what WWE's been watching." So I said, "Okay, yeah." And he said, "I'm going to order on BR Live," and I said, "All right, cool." And and he was like, oh, "Okay, how can I watch on my TV with BR Live?" And I'm like, "Oh, they probably have a PS4 app." They didn't. You know, he's asking, "Well, I don't have a Roku," and I went, "Oh, I think they have." A and we were doing this kind of song and dance, and eventually he just said, "Fuck it, I'm just going to order on pay per view because I just want to watch on my TV, you know, sitting on my couch or." Whatever. And that was an unfortunate thing is it seemed kind of difficult to get BR Live to work on uh, for his particular thing. He didn't have a smart TV. He didn't have a Roku. He didn't have a Fire Stick. And right. it wasn't available on a few different methods. So he just ended up doing the pay-per-view. So. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's just the easiest. If, if, if I have a pay-per-view option, that's going to that's gonna be the easiest every time. Well, and if the price isn't going to be different. Look, if it was 10 bucks on BR Live, exactly. I tell, I tell yeah. him, fucking throw it on your laptop and, and, and put it on your lap or whatever because you're going to save 40 bucks. But the, the price was the same. So I was like, yeah, well, then just order the pay-per-view, man. Order like, pay-per-view. You just have to press a button on your remote. It doesn't get any easier than that. You don't have to fuck around with apps. You don't have to worry about the stream crapping out. You don't have to worry about your internet crapping out. It may not even be the stream. You know, so fuck it. If you don't, to me, if I don't have to deal with the stream, then I won't. So, you know, and as far as the production of the actual show goes, I thought it was excellent. I mean, I know there are minor gripes. I know they shot the wrong tunnel a couple times when wrestlers were coming out. And there were a couple other minor things. But to me, those were things you didn't notice unless you were looking for them. And I really thought people were too hard on the production. To me, that was a professional production uh, that looked very good. And I know people were complaining about some camera cuts and things like that. Again, I think we're all being a little overly critical because we're watching this with our critical lens on because it's their first time out. Absolutely. And and I think the first match, I saw a lot of stuff that was like – you know, really zoomed in, a lot of crazy camera cuts, the wrong tunnel. But I think by, you know, the second or third match, everybody seemed to calm down and kind of get it. And then I I really didn't notice anything. In the final maybe two hours of the show, I thought the production was fine. The first match, a little manic. The Battle Royal, obviously very manic as well. But but I get it. Again, it's the first time for everybody. And you got probably cameramen that have maybe even never done wrestling before, uh, maybe directors and, and, and floor guys that had never done wrestling before. It's tough. It's, it, a lot is happening, and you have to anticipate what's going to happen you know, before it happens. So it, it, it's a little tough to do that. I would, I would say one thing that I really dislike about the production. I hope they, uh, somebody is listening. 
fucking shoot those goddamn camera cuts to fan reactions into the fucking moon. Never yeah. again. Stop with those. 10% of the time they work. 10% of the time you get bug-eyed Undertaker guy. That's great. You can use that forever. But 95% of the time it's a fucking guy talking to his friend. It's somebody with their hands on their head. It's somebody looking to their friend to talk or whatever. Fucking shoot those in the moon. They're the worst things ever. Stop with those. Yeah. Please. I beg of you. They're never good. They're never good. Yeah. I think that um, I, I do agree with that. I tried to watch the show again, the same way I watched the pre-show through the lens of just a common fan. Okay. Which is why I hated the pre-show um, and watching the approaching the show in that manner. I think a guy who sat down with his buddies and ordered a pizza and had some beer didn't have a single production complaint. I, so to me, from that perspective, I think the production was fine. This wasn't the NWA 75th anniversary show, which was an absolute fucking production disaster, which ruins the viewing experience. This wasn't Triple Mania, which yeah, a couple years oh, ago. God. <laughs> yeah, right. you know, those are production issues. To me, this show didn't have any production. They, they will get the hang of shooting the right tunnel. Uh, you know, next That's not a big deal to me because to the common viewer, they're not noticing that crap. We're noticing that stuff because we're looking for it because we have to do a three-hour podcast on it. So to me, the production was fine. I, if I had the, I'd give the production an 8 out of 10. I, and for a first-time effort, throw them an extra – I'd give them a 9 out of 10 for them being their first time. So I had no issues with the production. Uh, okay, the commentary we have to talk about. So the pre-show obviously was Excalibur this, and this Alex was not a, this, was, this was not a 9 out of 10. No. Uh, and then the uh, the extra show started, and it was JR, Excalibur, and Alex Marvez. Um I have to admit, you know, I came in. I'm sorry. Can I, I'm sorry. Can I cut you off again? Yeah, please do. One, one more thing about the production. I wanted to note this. I actually preferred the production here to WWE's production, even with all the little minor ticks. I agree. Yeah. Because less, it less felt, frantic. It was less frantic, which is helpful. It, it less frantic, but it just no primary colors all over the place, blast in your face. And it felt like a wrestling show. That's one thing I could say about the production. It really felt to me like vintage WCW in that regard. And I know it's some of the same people involved, so maybe that's why. But it, it felt to me like I was watching a wrestling show and not something that's a TV show about wrestling, which is what WWE has become. And there was like no backstage nonsense. There was none of that. The focus was always in the arena. There was focus was always on the action. And I felt like I was watching wrestling again. And that's what one of the things that made me excited about the future prospects of AEW. Because if their TV show is anything like Double or Nothing, appointment viewing for me. No DVR. I'm in front of my TV every week. Because that I'm excited about that. If their TV show is like the pay-per-view was, with all of that in-ring action and the way it was shot and the simple but good product, man, I could sink my teeth into that. And that's why I think was one of the reasons why I was so excited coming out of the show. Now let's tear apart the commentary. Yeah, let's do that. Um, all right. Uh, yeah, so you had Excalibur, JR, and Alex Marvez. Excalibur, I think, and I've said this for years, and, and people that watch PWG probably know this as well, and, and, and people that have listened to the show know this. For, I, I think he is among the best commentators in wrestling. I think in terms of a guy who knows knows what the right time to jump in, knows everything he needs to know, does all of his research, is passionate about the thing that he's calling, that's Excalibur. I thought he was incredible in this show. I thought he was unbelievable here. Uh, and, and he's a guy that that if, if this is what he's going to be doing on a weekly basis, is probably going to win your announce of the year in the, in the Observer Awards because I thought he was spectacular in this show. What do you think about Excalibur before we talk about the every, everybody else? Talk about – give your thoughts on the other two because I, I 
mine are more collective. Okay, there we go. So then uh, JR uh, initially started a little rough, and I was like, oh, God damn it, here we go with JR. Uh, the Strong Hearts match was not a good start for JR because uh, nobody clued him in that these men are not Chinese. They are, in fact, Japanese, which is going to be a thing with, with, with JR is that he's, he's not going to do kind of the heavy lifting on the research. But I thought as the show went on, I think he started to kind of feel the proof of concept and know, hey, I kind of like this thing. Hey, this is actually what I want. Hey, I kind of like this. And he didn't have a guy like a Josh Barnett who I, I you know, I, I, I liked Josh Barnett's car net, uh, commentary when he started on access, but little by little he became, yeah, this isn't that, ah, this isn't wrestling. Yeah, what I did was wrestling. Ah, you know, what Anoki did was, that's kind of what he became as he went on. And that sort of led to JR's worst sort of habits is to bitch and moan and complain and, and go, ah, you know what? This isn't what I like. All right, you know, rock and roll. That was, you know, rock and roll <laughs> express. That was wrestling. This isn't tag team. Like when you allow JR to get into his worst tendencies, he will get into those Excalibur didn't and I think that helped JR and you could feel by halfway through the show JR kind of felt like hey you know what I kind of like what we're doing here hey this is pretty good and it felt comfortable and he was good I will admit that at the end of the show JR got good which I think is is, is going to be a super positive for him because if this is going to be bad moaning bitching you know talk about the past JR I want nothing to do with this this was not that I, I think there were some rough patches of course but I think all in all by about halfway through the show you felt that JR was feeling like he he was positive on this, that he likes what AEW is doing, and that's going to be a positive if he's going to stay that way. So I'm thumbs up on JR when I thought, and I went into it being thumbs down, and it did not help with the first match, too. I thought, oh, my God, this is an unmitigated disaster. What the fuck are we doing here with JR? But I'll admit, when I was wrong, he, he's the thumbs up for me. Alex Marvez, okay. <laughs> Here's the thing. People are burying him six feet deep, and, and rightfully so, because he was not good. He was a terrible for us and commentator on this show. The problem with him, though, and I mentioned it on Twitter, is that he wasn't he wasn't a terror. He wasn't speaking like the stuff that he was doing wasn't bad, but he was horrible for pro wrestling. He was a guy. And I, I mentioned that it's exactly what I, I said on Twitter at voices wrestling is that the way he did it was he was basically sitting on the couch with his buddies, eating pizza, talking about the show, talking about the wrestlers, which is fine. If you're sitting on the couch, eating pizza, drinking beer, talking about the wrestling show with your buddies, but you're doing pro wrestling commentary. You need to be loud. You need to project your voice. You need to know when to jump in. You need to know when to do what you're going to do. And like the information that he had was all good. Everything that he said was fine, but it was like he was a tone lower than everybody else. He kind of felt monotone. There wasn't the excitement in his voice. He was, as I said, like a guy sitting on his couch watching wrestling with his buddies. And that's not what pros and commentary needs. He needs to be, you got to step it up a little bit. You got to be, you got to be boisterous. You got to be loud. You, you don't have to scream. But you have to project yourself. You have to project your voice. And I don't know that he has that in him. You know what I mean? Like that, This might be his normal voice, which is fine. Like to do, you know, a radio show, to do a podcast, that the voice that he has is fine. But to do pro wrestling commentary when you have Excalibur, who's so good at rising to those moments, and JR, who's one of the best at rising to moments and, and kind of ebb and flowing with the match, and then have this guy just interject with like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then like these other guys need to now, though, okay, go back to like screaming or whatever. It just, it, it, it created this sort of weird... I, I don't know. It, was, it, it took you off guard every time he talked, and 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 he's either got to figure out what to do to kind of ramp that up, or they just need to do Excalibur and JR, which I think would be fine without Alex Marvez. I don't think he's adding enough to be life or death. I don't know that you need that third chair. So I, I don't know if that was a, a, a full like some people want to like just absolutely destroy this guy and never hear from him again. I think there's there's potential there, but he just needs to know how to get to that potential if there is. But I'd be fine if they just said, "Hey, Alex, didn't work out. Sorry," and just went Excalibur and JR from here on out. Would be fine with me too. See, I don't think Alex Marvez is going to make it. This isn't for him. Low energy, boring, no voice inflection. And even if he adds those things, I just, I don't think he's going to make it. He comes off to me like a guy who wants to be a sports commentator, goes to Syracuse, gets his little degree, ends up on some regional sports network somewhere calling 
you know, Oregon State basketball games and never advances from there. And that's what he does for the rest of his life because he never moves up. He's not good enough. He doesn't have the energy. He has no charisma whatsoever. And um, he's a replacement level announcer at best. And on this show, he was awful. So I just don't think he's going to make it. He's a guy where you turn on third tier boxing in the middle of the night and he's the play by play guy. Right. It, it, it's, he's, he's just not good. Yeah, he's commentating a San Diego um, State versus, you know, uh, fucking San Jose State football game, which is yeah, fine for um, that. But yeah, uh, it's like you know, in, in syndication, not yeah, on a right. network. You know, he's never going to be a network guy. Uh, he, he, you know, it, it's just it, this isn't for him. You know, he needs to go back and write about the NFL. This is not for him. I don't think he's going to make it. Um, now, this three man booth to me was a disaster. They were all stepping on each other. Nobody had a defined role. And I thought the commentary was brutal bad irredeemably bad. The three-man booth has to go. I know they don't want Jim Ross to be their lead guy, so I guess they're just we're going to have to suffer through Marvez until they find somebody else, because I really don't think Marvez is going to make it. I think they're going to have to have a hard conversation with him and let him go. Um, but the three-man booth is a fucking disaster. I don't know who's the lead guy. I don't know who's doing my color. I don't know who's... Uh, I, I, it's just They're stepping on each other. I don't know whether Excalibur is good or not, because half the time I couldn't tell him apart from Marvez, and the other half of the time, the two guys are talking at once. I thought it was a mess. See, I don't think I, how could you not tell the difference between Excalibur and Marvez? I, they sounded yeah. similar. To no, me. they did. And Alex Marvez is like five octaves lower than Excalibur. There is no way. Yeah, I mean, he was a low, he was he was definitely a low talker. There's no question about that. No way. You're and out of your mind. Them, That's ridiculous. Them, and both of them were there to spit facts, boring facts. I might add. Uh, it just none of it worked for me. I, I I didn't think any of it was good. I think their booth needs a total retooling. And to be quite honest with you, I'm not sold on any of the three. I still think JR is not the guy that I want in my promotion moving forward. Um, Excalibur, I've never been super high on him. I know everybody loves him. I know he's good because he's good at his job. And listen, good, so. I, listen. I am, if I'm on an island, I'm on an island. But right. I, well, I, you're Marvez and Excalibur take that is irredeemably bad. That that's a terrible take. But. I couldn't tell them apart at well, times. That's that's ridiculous because everyone's talking at once. I don't know who's talking, and I've never thought Excalibur was as good as other people say. I don't think he's bad. I just think he's a guy. And and to be honest, I think PWG commentary is too. I've always said it's too goofy for me. They're a little too silly in that booth. Not all the time, but too much of the time. You know, I'm a grump. I don't like the silly shit. But not saying he did that here because he didn't. But I thought the booth was a mess. They were stepping on each other. I can't even assess this booth because I thought I thought it was so bad that I can't even assess it. I need to know who their two people are. Who is the play-by-play man? Who is the color guy? Then have them call a show, and then I can tell you what's going on with their commentary. Well, this, I think what they tried this. to do, and, and I think maybe not successfully, was that like if it was a big time match with a lot of like kind of big time, like Cody and Dustin, Jr. was the play by play guy, and Excalibur was the color, and Alex was <laughs> there. Alex had a microphone. Whereas like you know your your strong hearts won, Excalibur would then do the play by play, and Jr. would do the color because he is no way going to know what the hell half of these moves are. Where Excalibur, well, see, Rich, does. well, you know what? That's my point. Then Jr. doesn't belong in the booth. You can. Yeah, I don't call- disagree. I don't disagree. Either call the whole show or get out of the booth. And I, I, and here's the thing. He got the big Goldberg entrance and everything. I am not convinced that JR adds anything to, to you. I, I'm not convinced JR is bringing viewers. 
I think JR brought viewers to Wrestle Kingdom 9 because with Wrestle Kingdom 9, you're talking about a foreign product and you're trying to draw fans who have no clue who anybody is on the show. Okay, so I get why they wanted JR for that, and I do think he helped. This is an American product where you have Chris Jericho and you have Kenny Omega and you have wrestlers people are familiar with. What does I don't think JR is adding viewers. I don't think people are watching wrestling to listen to JR call it. I, I do not buy that, and I know people disagree with me with that too, but I just do not buy that concept at all. And if he can't call the whole show, if he can't keep up, with the, the trios match, and I'm sorry, he shouldn't be calling wrestling. Then get him off the show. So that's where I stand with Jr. Um, and and, I, and this this commentary to me, I, I have a hard time assessing it because I thought it was so bad, and they were so busy talking over each other, and 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 there was no uh, chemistry whatsoever, which is to be expected because none of them have ever worked with each other. I mean, I would just like to see a professional play-by-play guy in that booth who can keep up with all of the matches and not just the ones that were territory matches from 1985 and Excalibur and then give that booth a chance. Right, and I, I don't disagree. I, I thought JR was okay on the show or, or what I said, you know, thumbs up on the show because I had pretty low expectations. But if you want to tell me JR and Alex are out and, Al- and, and Excalibur is just going to be a color guy and there's going to be some just, you know, play-by-play dude, I'm fine with that, you know. <laughs> if, if they're going to scoop up Ian Riccoboni or whatever from our way, I'm just throwing a name out there. I, I right, know right, right. I'm just saying then I'd be fine. Ian and, and Excalibur would be an incredible team or whatever. You know what I mean? Like that, that you know, I, I think that's what, you know, if I were doing it, like you said, Hey, you have you uh, rich. What do you want to do? I would keep Excalibur as the color guy. And I would grab a play by play guy. And I tell Alex and Jared to move on. And I've said that from day one, when they announced that booth, I said, I did not like JR in there. I thought he was good enough for the show. And I thought he did help with, you know, the Cody and Dustin match and he did help with the big moments. But if you want to tell me, Hey, we're going to boot JR from this booth right away. I'm fine with that too. I, I would have no issues with that because I think, you know, once this TV gets rolling, you know, I, I don't, lo- I'm not comfortable with the idea that half the matches this guy can't call. I don't love that. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and I don't love the undefined roles or whatever. I thought these guys did as best as they could, given the context that that, that things were going on there. But, you know, yeah, ultimately, if I had the choice, I would I would boot JR and Alex and, and keep Excalibur there solely as a color guy, because I think he does excel in that. But it is what it is. All right, I want to get to these matches themselves. Let's start out with the uh, SCU versus Stronghearts opener here, six-man tag. Uh, of course, Daniels, Kazarian, and Scorpio Sky defeating the Stronghearts, Shima, uh, L. Lindemann, and T-Hawk. 13 minutes, 38 seconds. Grapple users went 3.58 on this match. I liked it a little bit more than them. I went 4.25. Joe, where'd you stand on the uh, the six-man opener? Yeah, that was a notebook match. That's a four-star match. That match was great. Uh, the work was great. The work was crisp. The work was clean. Everybody shined. This was six professional wrestlers in the ring um you know having a professional wrestling match and uh it was good it was well worked it was exciting and it was the perfect opener to the show this should have been the pre-show opener in my opinion this would have given a much better picture of what AEW is trying to be and what they can be well presumably what they're trying to be I think that's one of the issues I don't know if that's what they're trying to be I don't know if the librarian is what they're trying to be or you know what? this is You're what right. they're trying to be. You know what? That's fair. You're, yeah. you're right. Because the TV show could be the bullshit we saw on the pre-show. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And I'm going to come on here and bury it every week if that's the case. And I'll stop watching it. I'm not going to watch that. But, you know, if, if this – if what they're trying to be is what the pay-per-view was – because the pay-per-view was nothing like the pre-show. The pay-per-view was great. The pay-per-view was awesome. Whoever booked the pay-per-view, thumbs up. Pat on the back for you. Whoever booked the pre-show, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and it's just I don't think they took their pre-show seriously or understood what it was trying to accomplish, and I thought it was a major missed opportunity. This match, this is the kind of match that should open every single one of their TV shows. Absolutely. This is this is the Liger-Pillman match. You know what I mean? The one that's like, boom, we're here, we've arrived. Now you have to watch this. You were going to watch the rest of the show after you see this match. Yeah, I want Shima and his crew having six-man matches as the opening match on every TV show or the Joshis, one or the other. Or, you know, uh, Sammy Guevara, put him out there in the opener uh, of your TV. Something exciting and athletic that you can sink your teeth into. That truly is different. Because, listen, people could sit here and go, oh, you know, stop comparing it to WWE. People can like both. Blah, blah. This promotion exists because WWE is shit. Can we stop ignoring the elephant in the room? Every single person watching this pay-per-view was comparing it to WWE in their, in their head. And if you say that you weren't, you're a liar. So why are we going to ignore that elephant in the room? So if you exist solely to be different, solely to be an alternative, then be a fucking alternative. And this was the perfect opener, and this is how every TV show should open. Loved it. Loved the match. Uh, we had the four-way women's. Well, it was a three-way initially with Britt Baker, Kylie Ray, and Nyla Rose. Uh, Brandy Rhodes comes out. Uh, again, I would really love if we don't have a, a, an authority figure, but I guess if we have to have one authority figure, Brandy Rhodes being the women's roster authority figure, I guess I'll live with, but I'd prefer none. Uh, she comes out and then says, you know, yeah, you guys would have a great match, but you know, have an even better match if Awesome Kong was there. You'd have an awesome match or whatever the fuck it was. Well, either way, Awesome Kong came out, which I thought was, it got a good pop and and, and she looked good, but I thought it, in some ways, I didn't love it because it really undermined Nyla Rose because Nyla Rose was like, hey, you're a monster. Ah, not really. You're not the monster. Awesome Kong's the monster. But I thought ultimately, I mean, it was fine. It was okay. It was it was definitely a come down from, from the opener. Uh, I went 2.75 on that on Grapple, two and, a, two and three quarter stars. Uh, Grapple users went 2.96. I I don't know. It just it, it was a little disjointed, not great. I don't think it really the, – the problem was I think with Awesome Kong coming in there, it really sort of – she was the focus of the match where I think, you know, you want Britt Baker, you want Kylie Ray, I think, to be the focus – or you want Nyla Rose to be the focus as your monster uh, on the roster. And they didn't really do that. They brought Awesome Kong in here. And I, presumably Awesome Kong is, I guess, going to be a regular member. If she's not a regular member, then you basically just kind of, I, I don't know. Everybody else kind of got scooped up and, and sort of overshadowed by Awesome Kong, which I, I, I don't know that I love that. Um, I like the surprise because it got a big pop. And I don't think anybody saw it coming. So I didn't really mind that. So I'll differ from you there. I think it's very obvious watching the match, though, that Kylie Ray's the star of the division. And they're in love with Britt Baker. And there's other people in love with Britt Baker. I don't get it. I really don't get it. I think Britt Baker is so average um, in every way. And I don't pop for this dentist thing. I really don't think that's a big... I don't give a shit what she does in her spare time or for her full-time job. It doesn't mean anything to me. She's not over with me because she's a dentist. It's a nice little story, but... Once the bell rings, I don't care that she's a dentist. I, I, they're fascinated by that, and I really don't understand that. When it's patently obvious to anybody who watched this match that uh, Kylie Ray is the one that ultimately is going to connect with the audience the most and uh, should be the star of the division. Now, they may think that as well, and you know this one result doesn't necessarily mean that um, they're not going to ultimately go in that direction. But the four-way match was fine. I gave it a very charitable three. Um, you know, it didn't have enough of a focus on one person, in my opinion. Um, you know, I still don't have any feel for Nyla Rose other than that she's big. I mean, you know, coming out of this, as someone who's never seen her before, left no impression on me other than she's big. 
Right. Um, and then she's so, not as big as Awesome Kong. I think that's the big issue, too, yeah. is that like if you wanted to tell the story that Nyla Rose is the monster, Kylie Ray is like the happy-go-lucky baby face, and Britt Baker is a dentist, I guess is what the story is. Because I don't really quite know what else she is other than a dentist. But um, you didn't tell that because all, all you really told is that Nyla Rose is like not the biggest monster and that, you know, I guess you kind of told the story about Kylie Ray, but again, like I, I feel like this was a bit of a missed opportunity here with this match. And, and the build was too. I mean, they really didn't do anything in the build and it was just kind of like, you know, Brandy hanging around a pool and, and yeah, I, this I think was a missed opportunity for them. They came out of the gates, you know, promoting this match. It was what the first or second match they announced for this entire show. And then it felt like it just kind of fell by the wayside. So hopefully it's something they, they look into in the future as a showcase. It didn't really showcase anyone. Um, I really hope that the Brandy thing like you is not something permanent. I don't think I get the sense. It's not, I really feel like they just wanted to introduce awesome Kong. Um, because you know Brandy's booked for matches coming up on some of these other shows, right. so I, I hope they don't go in that direction. Um, I did like the surprise. I, you know, I, I personally I would have put Kylie Ray over, but look, you know, that's a booking issue more than a, a match issue. If they like Britt Baker, they like Britt Baker. I, I disagree. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was fine. It wasn't uh, a bad match by any means. It's just I, I would have done a lot of things different there. Uh, we had the best friends, Chuck Taylor and Trent, defeating Angelico and Jack Evans. I went 3.5 on it. Grapple users, 3.34. Joe, where'd you stand on best friends versus Angelico and Jack Evans? As a right, three flat. Um, but by this point in the show, um, you had the great opener and two matches to me that were that were fine. And, and you know, it's like nothing had dropped the ball. And I'm thinking to myself if the top three deliver the way that I know that they can know as good as they look on paper, this is going to be remembered as a pretty great show. Um, because by this point, the pre-show was a distant memory. Um, and Helico, no one has gotten more mileage out of one GIF ever. That guy had that one great spot in Lucha underground where he did that jump off of the top of the office into the ring. And he has made an entire career out of it. Cause he is not good. Um, he was very, very average anytime he wrestled in Europe, uh, in the UK, for any of those promotions, never made an impression. Uh, he, he was the, easily the fourth best wrestler in this match. Um, that guy is all sizzle and no steak, and there's really not much sizzle to him anymore either. If you're Angelico, you're really good for just one or two maniac dives per match, and he doesn't even do that anymore. You know, that's how he got over in Lucha Underground, and now he's just a guy wearing neon. So He was bright. He was definitely bright. He stood out in this match, maybe not for his wrestling, but definitely his attire. But, yeah, I don't know what he does at all. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't think that Jack Evans and Angelico really had enough of a chance to show off the wild, maniac, crazy, flippy-do shit that they can do. Um, I really wish there was more of that. I was hoping for more of that. And then the post-match angle, look, I didn't love it. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, I forgot about that. I didn't love it, but it's something I'm going to give. And the crowd didn't really know what to how to respond. It's like the one point in the night where they weren't super hot because they didn't know what to make of it. But I'm going to give it a chance to see where it goes. If it remains this thing where whatever the Super Smash Brothers are going to be called constantly have these little minions with them, it's going to annoy me and I'm not going to like it. If this was simply an introduction to whatever the Super Smash Brothers are going to be called, I'm fine with it. Um, 
if they're because if their gimmick is just going to be that they're two creepy dudes, that's fine. But I don't need those dollar store deliriouses running around anymore. I mean, I, hopefully that was a one time thing because that didn't really fit the tone of anything else on the pay per view. That that would have fit the tone of the pre show. Absolutely, yeah. It, it was bizarre. It was definitely pretty bizarre, and, and you could tell the crowd had no idea who these guys were. Um, I got frantic text messages asking, "Hey, who are these guys? Should I know them?" And I'm like, "Yeah, not really." Like, and these are people that like you know I know who they are, but I'm like as in the bubble as you could possibly be. But like you're even your semi casual fans, even your kind of hardcore, you know, and not maybe not like super, you know, I mean like the kind of people that watch independent shows here and there, people that watch New Japan or whatever, watch your Ring of Honor, what they're not gonna know who these guys are either. You, you know what I mean? So this is that that's a tough thing to just kind of bring these guys out, out of nowhere and, and, and sort of assume that a people would know about them. Or maybe they assume that people weren't going to know about them and they kind of wanted to have that mystery come out with them. But yeah, this was this was weird, I, I'd say. But yeah, like you said, it's all about the follow-up. It was weird in the moment. But if they come out and say, okay, these are these guys, and this is what it's going to be, and really introduce them and do a good job uh, of sort of telling the story of these guys, then I think it, it, it will work a little bit better. But yeah, it was definitely uh, definitely bizarre, uh, <laughs> to say the least. All right, we'll get to a match here that I think uh, kind of turned the corner on this entire show. It was the Joshi match. It was Hikaru Shida, Riho, uh, Ryo Muzunami, uh, defeating Aja Kong, Emi Sakura, and Yuka Sakazaki. Uh, I really, really like this match. Grapple users 3.5. I was kind of surprised it was only 3.5. Uh, I went 4.25. Joe, where'd you go with the Joshi six-way match? Or the, uh, the six-person uh, six tag, I should say. Three and a quarter. Um, I thought it was okay. I didn't love it either. Um, I'm, I'm actually lower than the, the consensus on it. Um, all right. Do you want everybody to turn on me and hate me? Oh, I'm yeah. Let's go with that. Yeah, everyone hates me because I go on vacation. So, yeah, fuck you. Let's, let's go. I'm, I'm going to get this out of the way right off the bat. I haven't seen Aja Kong wrestle in a long time. On this show, to me, she looked washed up. Um, now, now, granted, I haven't seen Aja Kong wrestle since she was fucking legitimately awesome and one of the best wrestlers in the world, male or female. So I have no idea what she's doing in Japan these days, and it could be great for all I know. But on this show, Aja Kong looked like Aja Kong 15 years older than the last time I saw her, and she wasn't great. Looked a little washed up. I hated the girl that was doing the Freddie Mercury routine. Hated it. Um, not necessarily her wrestling, but I don't know what her gimmick is. If she imitates a different person every match or if she just does a Freddie Mercury thing, I hated it. It annoyed me. Um, as far as the match itself, it had some good action. It didn't blow me away. I didn't like the stuff with the weapon at the end with the box. Um, I thought that was a little silly. Um, look, the finish, I'm not even – look, that happens. The, 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 the timekeeper screwed up. The referee took total control and did a great job. And actually, I think that added to the match. I oh, I would 100% agree. I don't think I super love this match until that spot. And then I think I kind of went on the yeah, other. I'm with you. I think it added to the match because it really – I thought the referee looked great. And the camera focused on her when she was taking control. And, um, you know, but, but this didn't blow me away as anything revolutionary. It certainly isn't, you know, making me explore, you know, marvelous or stardom subscription service purchases. Um but it was it was good for what it was, and I want to see more of it. And I really hope they focus it every single week on the TV because I think we'll eventually see much better matches than this one. And a lot of people really like this one. Mm -hmm. Like yeah, I, so, yeah, I, I like the action. I thought there was a lot of good back and forth. And like I said, the, the, the screw up actually, like if if I was booking it, like I almost would. Like I'm thinking in my head, like man, if I was a wrestling booker, I'd book like not often, but like a few of these every so often because it it got it woke everybody up. Everybody kind of said, oh, what the fuck, and credit the ref and credit the performers too because sometimes when that happens 
everybody kind of freezes. Nobody knows what to do. Oh God, what was our next spot? Oh God, what were we supposed to do? Oh, what do we do now? But the referee just said, nope, I said too. <laughs> like with this like dead eye, like, no, fuck you. I said too. And everybody in the ring too, like just went, no, that it's not it. That's not. And I thought that was kind of cool because it inspired the crowd to sort of say, okay, let's get with these girls. Okay. Let's see now what they're going to do here. Now that they've, they've kind of went through the screw up. We've done the, you fucked up thing or whatever. And I think to their credit, they got right back in there and actually made it more intense after that. Cause then it was like, all right, no, this match isn't fucking over. Let's go. And I thought that really like the last two, three minutes of the match with a lot of good back and forth. The finish, like you said, I was a little down on the finish. I think they, they, they got a little too kooky with the, the weapons and the box and all that sort of shit. But I thought ultimately I like the action. I think it showcased a lot of them pretty well. I'm kind of with you. And I know that's probably the, 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 maybe the hot take that we're going to have here is I'm, I'm good. If you never bring Aja Kong back again, like, I think it was cool. Cause she's like, you know, a legend or whatever, but I think that everybody else in the ring, you know, way outperformed her. I, I thought Hikaru Shida, who obviously they're going to push a, a, as one of their bigger stars. Uh, I thought she was really good in this. I thought Rio was pretty good. I thought Rio uh, was good as well. And and yeah, I thought uh, Yuka Sakazaki, I thought was pretty good as well. So I like those four a lot. And I think there was cool action between them. So I liked it a little bit more. I liked the showcase and I thought it was cool that the crowd kind of started a little low, but then got into it a little bit more. And, and, and yeah, I'll, I'll admit that that screw up actually enhanced the match a lot for me. And I think I was way more invested after that point than I was prior. So uh, definitely a thumbs up for me, but you're right. This need, this absolutely, and we've said it from the moment they said they were, they were signing Joshi talent. This needs to be on the TV. This is potentially the WWE cruiserweights of AEW, just like the strong hearts and the Chinese acrobats or whatever that, that is going to be, those two things are going to be what stands out and what's so much different about what, 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 you know, WWE or any other, you know, major league American promotion is. So, so I liked it. Good showcase, but I, I'm with you that there's a better match probably with some of these girls down the line as well. So I yeah, I think it, yeah, it absolutely can set the company apart and I'll backpedal a little. It's not like I think Aja Kong was terrible. I don't think she embarrassed herself. I don't think she was a bad, but it was striking to me. And maybe that's my fault since I haven't seen her in 15 years. It looked like she had Sure. Aged. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, and we're, we're, we readily admit that we just, you know. I don't watch. For I mean, time played... purposes more than anything, we just don't watch Joshi. So, yeah, the last time I saw Aja Kong was probably 10 years ago as well. And I'm like, oh, wow, yeah, she's she's definitely, like, you know, in her 50s or whatever. I don't even know how old she is at, at this point. But, Listen, but... for all I know, she's knocking it out of the park wherever it is she wrestles normally. I have no idea. All I know. I she know. does. Well, she did well on a match of the year. I want to say one of her match. I forget who it was against was, I want to say, top 20. Uh, this last year, I matched the year. I never went. I never had a chance to well, listen, go and I, check it out. Yeah, so I, I believe it. She didn't look like somebody who can't go at all. She, I just didn't think she was particularly impressive here. But I liked her presence on the show because she feels like a big star. It just that's why I liked that they brought Awesome Khan because Awesome Khan got that huge pop and felt like a big star. And I felt like I was seeing something special. I'm like, whoa, Aja Khan. Wow, this is you know. I felt like I was watching a star. It's just, you know, the nerd in me, the breaking down the wrestling, you know, she just she looked like she's she's washed up. But I'm more than willing to, you know, watch her again if they bring her back and maybe next time she'll fucking look great. There's still there's still a presence with Aja Kong. Oh, and she's got that legendary status, too, which definitely helps. But I I think one thing that I mentioned, I I think I, I tweeted out as well, is that I loved that there was there was no americanizing of the joshi whatsoever it was like come out with your bright colors scream all you want do all your yeah. moves do your stiff kicks do your chops like i love that it it in no way and i think for for a lot of people and i know i'm very curious i got a buddy uh, that's gonna watch it he, he ordered the replay and he's gonna watch it in a few days and i i cannot wait to ask him what he thought of that because this is like if you're no, used to like american women's wrestling which has made you know obviously huge strides
fights in the last five years or whatever. But this is so much different, man. You know what I mean? Like just the way they work, the style they work, the speed, the colors, the screaming, the selling, like all that stuff is so much different that like, and that's why I still say that this is something they need to push because it's so unique and so different. And it's unlike anything we've ever seen. It's unlike anything that most American wrestling fans have, have seen. So I think it's really cool. I, I, I think I'm, I'm really excited to see what they kind of do with this. Do you think, uh, uh, you think Sasha Banks was watching this match? Oh, I, I think she tweeted during it, right? <laughs> Oh, did she? I I, I'm pretty sure she did. Though no, she was, she was all over this show. There was, there was a lot of WWE stars all over the show. I'm sure, uh, potentially getting trouble. But yeah, Peyton Royce, of course, because you know, uh, with the ten guy connection, was all about it. Uh, Sasha Banks was tweeting about it. I think Xavier Woods was tweeting about it. Uh, Big E was ta- talking about it a little bit too. So uh, Matt Hardy, Matt Hardy was talking about it a little bit as well. So Peyton Royce and Ten Guy are a thing. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. You didn't know that. I didn't know that. No, I didn't know that. It's a, it's a very attractive couple. I, I, Good for them. Good yeah. for them. Very Good happy. For they, look, they look very happy. They look very happy together. So I'm glad. So yeah, I'm sure they're having some fucking cool looking sex. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, all right. <laughs> the idea of ten yeah. guy. Do you think he? Do you think he does the countdown? How can he not? I yeah, mean, he, he does the countdown for sure, right? If he's not doing the countdown at some. But point. But when is he doing the countdown? Is Maybe it like? Maybe when he's about to blast off, you know? Like, but every time you got to change it up a little bit, though, right? Or he can, like, before. Does he give her the fake? Does he give her the fake? Like, two, one, no, 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 no. Well, I think maybe, like, before he comes in the room, maybe he does it. Like, you know, maybe she's. I mean, is it the introduction? He's got to change it up. It can't always be the same because it's going to get boring if it's always the, the, you know, the climax. It's going to be a little boring if it, you know, okay, five, four, three. All right, just get it over with. Like, because wouldn't that be annoying? Like, think of if you're Peyton Royce. Wouldn't that be annoying? Like, all right, 10, 9. Like, all right, just fucking, all right, let's you, move you on. You always got to mix up your acts. I mean, right, you can't right, ever right. bring the same thing to the table. But uh, The end of the room is pretty lame, though. That's pretty dorky. Uh, I would hope that he doesn't do that. That's totally something I would do. <laughs> poor poor Brittany. I deserve a grand entrance because, you know, she's getting the, the, the full five-star performance every time. So, you know, I should get a grand entrance. I think that's fair. In fact, I do strut into the room when it's time to get down. You know, I got that. I got that McMahon walk going. Well, like, try to right. do the countdown. Yeah, try to like. What are you, you going to do? Like, stay by the door, like the door frame. Like the door is open. Or are you just going to kind of like be on the like ten, <laughs> nine, or do you just do ten? I, 10? Like, well, I, I, down, but I may or may not have played entrance music. Oh dear God! Oh, so, God. I may or may not have done that. What was the song? I said I may or may not have done it. That doesn't mean you I definitely. Done. That definitely means you have. So just what's the song? I don't want to tell you because I you feel would, like you wouldn't say may or may not. If it definitely 100% wasn't me, I won't judge you. You can tell me off the air. If you you got to have fun. If you can't laugh in the bedroom, where can you laugh? I just know it's a wrestling thing. That's what I love most about it. Is the fact that, like, I know it's not a normal song. I know it's a wrestling thing, and I'm just excited to know which one. So. I told you, I'm not telling you. I, I don't like, I don't like the tone of this conversation. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. We'll move on. We'll move on. All right. <laughs> See, I got you awkward for the first time ever. We were yeah. talking about sex and you got awkward. So there you go. How does it feel? Not good. Anyway, Cody <laughs> defeating Dustin Rhodes. This is a great way to clear a palate from sex. It was Cody and Dustin Rhodes in an absolute fucking bloodbath of a territory match here with, with uh, two brothers, a lot of emotion, a lot of tears, just a lot of really great stuff here between Cody and Dustin Rhodes. We'll break this down extensively here. I do want to let you know, Grapple users, 4.3. I went 4.5. Joe, where do you go with Cody and Dustin Rhodes? 4.5. Great match. Unbelievable. Yeah, what would you think? What were your overall thoughts before I give mine? It was fantastic start to finish from Cody using the sledgehammer on the throne, which I totally am on team. That was awesome. 
to uh can we, to can we talk about that before you yeah. get all can we talk about that because i saw Absolutely. some people be you know you you mentioned a little bit earlier that like oh don't compare yourself to wwe that's you're not supposed to be wwe or that you're absolutely supposed to compare yourself to wwe that's again why this company exists and i think again i, I get why some people thought it was corny because they're taking shots at the e and like you know and, and yada 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 i agree if it was trent beretta like pissing on the wwe logo and being like yeah fuck those guys you know what i mean like that's corny i agree but cody who has been outwardly talking about how this is a match that he wanted to do in that company. He has been outwardly talking about the fact that he felt that him and his brother got a raw deal in, in that company. Outwardly saying that he thought his dad got a raw deal in that company. Outwardly talking about his, you know, how he doesn't love the way they've used his dad's likeness before. How they've used war games. How they've used his ideas and maybe not credited him enough. A guy who's outwardly said that this is, you know, that he has very obvious beefs with those guys. And a lot of it relates to his family. It relates to Dustin and it relates to Dusty. So for him to kind of go out there and 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 for Cody to be a guy as one of the executive vice presidents of the company, which there are twenty of them, but I one of the preeminent, one of the preeminent you know executive vice presidents of the company, for him to go out there and do this, I thought it was perfectly fine. I get if it's Chuck Taylor doing this, I would say it's a little corny, it's a little lame. But for Cody to kind of be the definitive, okay, that was you know that uh, you know a strike a, a, a shot across the bow, whatever you want to say, whatever random term you want to use, Cody is the right guy to use it before this match with this opponent. You know what I mean? There's so much context there and so much more of a statement that's made by him doing what he did before that match versus I think people just look at it as, oh, he's taking a shot at WWE. And yes, it was, but there's a little bit more there. There's a lot of context there. And I think you, if you don't know that story and you don't know what Cody's been saying since he left WWE and you don't know what what some of the things that he's been upset about and, and, and said point blank what he's been upset about with that company and the way they treated him. His, his brother and his dad, then you're not maybe not going to get the same context of it. And you think it's just going to be a shot across the bow or whatever, but it's not, it, it was, there was a ton of context to it. So I don't think it was corny or lame or anything or whatever. And even if it was corny or lame, I think, you know, a few corny or lame things every so often, it's not the worst thing in the world, but, but no, I think Cody doing it before a match with his brother, I, I, I have no problem with whatsoever. It's as I said before, we could all ignore the elephant in the room, or we could admit that, the reason this company exists in the first place is to be an alternative and that we're all comparing them at all times. We are. We could say that we shouldn't be. Why? Why shouldn't we be? I'm going to make direct comparisons constantly because I want it to be different because I don't like what the other company is doing. And to be, you know, a a large, uh, you know, one of the primary reasons they are so, so popular is because they are rallying people who are upset with that company. Eventually, they're going to have to survive on their own merits, and you're not going to be able to just be, you know, uh, the company throwing shade at the other company. For eventually, you know, you're just going to have to deliver and be good on your own. But for now, on their very first show, I don't have a problem with stuff like this. Right, and it got like the it's, biggest fucking pop of the night too. Of so, like, because the fans want that. That's what yes. they want. Yes, they're there because it's a, it's, a, it's just like All In. It's a giant celebration right. of not being the other. Co- Finally, something that we can enjoy that suits our taste because it's not them. So, no, I have no problem with it. It was smart. It got everybody to pop. You know, and 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 it and it, and it, and it can, made Cody a fucking star too, because this yes. was the guy. You now are our new leader. You know what I mean? Like that's sort of the 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 connotation of it a little bit as well. He is saying, you know, screw off because you wouldn't let me have this match. You would never let me do this match that I wanted to do. I it, to, I had to be Stardust versus Goldust in a fucking eight minute bullshit match or whatever. And now I'm breaking that wall down. I'm breaking your throne. 
I'm the new leader and I'm going to have my fucking match that I wanted to have with my brother all along. Like, and it's what? not rocket science. Like, it's pretty... And let's be honest, if these companies start lobbing shots at each other, it's, it's, it's going to be fun. I mean, what's wrong with you people? Like, why would you not want that? That sounds like a lot of fun to me. So, uh, you know, I'm just a dopey fan. I, I want them to lob shots. That would be interesting. Uh, you know, so I, I don't know. I had no problem with this. I thought it added to the match. Didn't detract from it at all. I thought it added to the show. Um, you know, it, look, I don't want him doing it every night. I don't want him coming out with, with, you know, a crown on his head and a sledgehammer. But this was very symbolic. And mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with that, especially on the first show out. And, and, you know, if they want to do something like that on their first TV, I'm all for that, too. There's a fine line. Of course, there's a fine line. And you don't want to overdo it. And you don't want to you know, mention them by name or constantly bring them up. But this is a very different dynamic than TNA being obsessed with WWE. A totally different dynamic. I hate that comparison. I can't stand it. Um, because it's, it's – it's, it's, they're already more successful than TNA ever was. And they've had one show. You know, and, and, and they're legitimately offering – they know the audience they're playing to right now. And they're making that audience happy. You know, so it's it's not the TNA dynamic where TNA was so woefully... It, it came off desperate when TNA would do stuff like that. This didn't come off desperate. This came off fun. So anyway, I, I, I not only had no problem with it, it got a chuckle out of me. I enjoyed it. Yeah, that was pretty it was, cool. It was goofy in all the right ways. Right, I think goofy and symbolic, which I think is is a good way to do it. There's going to be people that are just going to like it because he he took a shot at Triple H or whatever, and there's going to be people like me or you or people that are hardcore fans that go, oh, okay, there's a little bit of context there, you know, before this match with that guy, and I think that that's pretty important because these guys went out there and had the match they've always wanted to have, a super old school, a match their their dad would definitely have been proud of. It was old school territory. Dustin Rhodes bleeding a fucking gusher. Unfortunately, this is the match that Michelle watched in the room with me and constantly just said, they need to stop this match. He's bleeding too much. He's bleeding too much. And then she just left the room. So <laughs> she, was, she wasn't a big fan of the Dustin Rhodes uh, bloodbath there, but uh, I was because I like a little blood and wrestling. And as long as the guy's okay, which he, he obviously is, uh, it was really good. And I thought these guys, again, they didn't go nuts, but what they did is they let every spot kind of have its time. Like, like Dustin would do something pretty cool with like a Yoshi tonic or whatever. And then like chill for, you know, a few minutes, let it breathe, let it breathe. And, and that's what one thing, like Cody is never going to be your TV wrestler. That's going to have great matches. He's never going to be your G one guy. that's going to go out there and have four star. He's not going to be your Will Ospreay that, that uh, the best of the super juniors, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. He's never going to be that guy, but in a big moment in a big match where he has time to think about it and know his spots and no big moments and sort of stuff like that. That's the kind of wrestler he is. So I'm not shocked that he goes out there and has good matches with Nick Aldis and his brother or whatever because that's ones that he can kind of prep for and get ready for and has you know 20 minutes to tell this compelling story and a compelling tale or whatever he's just never going to be your guy that's going to be on tv and have an awesome you know 10 minute match and where he goes back and forth and does a bunch of crazy spots but he can have a good bloodbath 80s territory style brawl with his brother and that's exactly what this was and i fucking loved it and i think on twitter you said i love this match because it's pro wrestling and that's exactly what it was this is Old school pro wrestling, baby. You know what I mean? And it's so refreshing to see this on a show where it's just two dudes going out there and beating the fuck out of each other until they're both bloody and, and, and beaten. And that was pretty awesome to see. Yeah, it it, it reminded me of just pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. And WWE never makes me feel like that anymore, ever. The way this match made me feel and the way this show made me feel. Because this added to the variety of the show. You had the hot six-man opener. You had the Joshi. You know, you had 
uh, the, 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 the awesome Kong surprise. So you had your big surprise, right? Then you had this territory bloodbath. And it's like with two guys who just nailed every aspect of it. Tremendously worked match. You know, whether he bled buckets or not, a trem- the bl- and the blood added to it, a tremendously worked match. You know, and, you know, th- it just, it, I, this, it, I know it's hard to put in the words and people may not understand, but it just felt like I was watching pro wrestling again. And ROH doesn't really make me feel that way. And, and leave Japan out of this because this felt like American pro wrestling. And I haven't felt that way in a long time. And I'm watching this match and I'm thinking about the rest of the show and everything on the show has been good to this point at minimum. And it felt like, again, this entire show it reminded me of vintage WCW in that it was all about the matches. It was all about the wrestlers in the ring, the little things like the commentators telling us the referees names, um, you know, the, the variety the, the 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 you know the base the black ropes and the and the way the show was shot in a very basic and simple and professional way that was so unlike the the, the wacky world of WWE which doesn't feel like wrestling at all and intellectually I know that WWE hasn't felt like wrestling in a long time but watching this show really hammered that point home for me and I like WWE even less after watching this show. They really hooked me. This promotion really hooked me with this show. I think this is I, the match where I, I eventually was just like, you know what? Yeah, this is pretty awesome. Like yeah. What they're doing here is, is pretty great. And I am so optimistic now for this company and so excited to have American wrestling that I can sink my teeth into. And, and, and same as you, it was this match where it really sunk in for me. And... And um, well, I, I think what it is not not to interrupt, but like a lot of the stuff that I saw prior to this is stuff that I, you know, presumably could have seen on an indie show. I could have seen in Japan. I could this match I could have only saw on a company that wanted to revive American pro wrestling. You know what I mean? And, Does that make sense to you? And this combination of matches, right. on one show, two. So yes, it gave me a variety because it was like we just had this awesome Joshi. What I liked, I you know you, you didn't like it nearly as much as me, but I thought it was awesome. This awesome Joshi match with just a bunch of back and forth action and and, and bright colors and screaming and fast paced action, and then you get to this bloodbath '80s you know war games brawl between Cody and and, and Dustin. I'm like, all right, yeah, okay, like we're gonna get true variety on this show. We're gonna get things that feel and look and are different, and 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 that's cool. And and this is something. This type of match I haven't seen, uh, you know, on this level, on, on a major league, you know, pro wrestling level in, in in years and years and years, and I'm I'm excited to see that, and 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 that's cool. So I, I was watching an American wrestling pay per view and enjoying everything that they were giving me, and it was all different, and there was variety, and not just to throw WWE under the bus. Ring of Honor never makes me feel that way. Impact never makes me feel that way. This show just made me feel a certain kind of way mm-hmm. towards wrestling that I haven't felt for a long time. Because even the foreign promotions that I love d- didn't really make me feel the way this promotion made me feel. And and it was really this match that that cemented that for me. And the rest of the show I thought was great too. We'll get to it, of course. But And the other thing is, we were coming in cold. We didn't know what we were going to get. There was no booking to set any of this up with the exception of the brothers match that we're talking about. And it's still to me, 
was a show that blew me away. And here's the thing. I don't think this is like a show of the year contender or a sh- or an all-time show based Now look, it was a ve- it was an awesome show bell to bell because I loved the next two matches too. But what I'm trying to say is it's not like everything landed, but here's the thing. To no, me I, and that's I think that's a good, no, go go ahead. Yeah, actually do, do your point first then I'll, I can respond. Yeah, but to me it was similar to the When Worlds Collide show in 1994. In that I when, when I was watching this, I felt like I was watching something special and something that was changing the game and something that was different, and something that I really loved, the same way as when I was watching that When Worlds Collide show. And just like this show, I went into that AAA show cold. I wasn't a Lucha watcher or a Lucha fan. It kicked off my Lucha tape trading. But it's like that show hooked me in. And that's the and, and, and here's the thing about that show, which is considered a legendary show, just like this one will be too, especially if AEW succeeds. Okay, the thing about the When Worlds Collide show is everything wasn't great. People forget that there were very mediocre trios matches on that show, but everyone remembers Rey Mysterio Jr. and 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 Love Machine and Eddie Guerrero and the the three out of falls mask versus hair match. No one remembers that Pero Aguayo and Conan had a very average cage match main event. Nobody remembers or talks about you know how Tito Santana and was on that show and there were average trios matches. And everyone remembers the two out of three falls mask for his hair, Rey Mysterio, and the minis who killed it in the opener. And that's okay. Everything didn't land on that show, but it's still a legendary show. And I don't think, while everything was good on this show, at minimum, no one's going to, you know, in 10 years, if AEW was a thing, no one's going to remember Best Friends versus Jack Evans and Inhalco. They're not going to – you might forget one of the four women that were in the four-way. The Joshis might go away and it might just be become a footnote in the, in the promotion's history. But as a whole and as a collective, this was a special show, assuming the promotion succeeds. And it's going to be one of those legendary pay-per-views like when Worlds Collide and uh, – uh, like some of the ECW, pay, the the ECW, uh, the, the, e, the ECW one night stand that WWE did is another one, um, where it's just it it felt like you were watching something special, and that's what I felt like, especially during this match. And I think one thing that that you mentioned there is that not everything was like great, and it wasn't like the super show or whatever. And I, I think that's fine though. And and one of the things that I brought up, and 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 one thing I really liked about the show is just the, the amount of like clean, non bullshit finishes. That's the one reason I was a little down on on the Joshi finishes because it had a little bit of that. It had a little bit uh, of that sort of mess. But like everything else, like this match just ended. You know what I mean? Like it just was a pinfall and it ended. And like in in some ways, the main event, the which we'll talk about here in, in a second between Jericho and Omega, like it kind of ended on a semi downer. But also it was like oh like guys just hit their finishers and win like oh that's kind of cool like it, it reminded me of that sort of era of wrestling where like i don't have to sit and wait for cody to do you know a roll up and grab the tights to beat his brother or you know cody have to have brandy distract the ref so he could you know hit him with it, it was just like oh cody just won oh okay the bucks just won you know jericho just beat the guy and like it's gonna be interesting it's gonna be a little bit of a learning curve for people to realize that like guys lose and it's not because they're being buried or whatever it's just like guys have to win and lose and 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 i thought that was kind of cool is throughout the show it was just you know it wasn't like these crazy sort of okay you know this intricate booking it was just kind of like all right that guy won because they won they were better this night and that's cool like that that's what i want it 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 feels 
it feels authentic pro wrestling again to me, and that, that's that, that's good. And yeah, this was the match where it really clicked uh, in for me. Let's get down to the uh, the the AAA match here, the Triple H oh, World Tag Team title. Oh, oh do, sorry, no, do you have anything more on that one? Yeah, the post match promo to me was part of the match. Oh, of course. Yeah, let's talk about that. I forgot that we didn't talk about that yet. And there was real emotion there, and the crowd was feeling it, and the participants were feeling it. And to me, that added absolutely added to the match. Yeah, if you don't know the story, too, of those guys not being like, I mean, they're brothers, but they're not the best of friends, and they've had their ups and downs a lot. Super close, growing. There's a huge age gap. So they didn't grow up together, all those things. And the emotional, I need my brother. I mean, everybody had to feel that one. And then, you know, they're going to team up and face the Young Bucks, you know, on, um, I forget which show now. Um, I don't know which one. Doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, and and fight and, for the and, fallen. I think the Jacksonville one, right? Maybe. I think. And, so. and and to me, that just added to the whole scene. And you know, yeah, this was. Um, and 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 here's the thing. And I haven't heard anybody make this point. And um, Dustin is one thousand percent turning on Cody, right? I mean, I would they think have, so. Yeah, they have I would think do. so too. You know, I'm, you're it's, my little, you're the little brother. I, I've done more things than you've ever done in your life. Like, yeah, I think that's definitely you condescending little prick. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's it, it has to happen because not only because that's exactly what they would do in a territory in 1982, which is what this feud is, you know, but because there's more money in this. I mean. You know, and no one sees it coming right now. And it's like, you have to get another match out of this. Provided Dustin wants to do it. Okay, he's older. Or can do it, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm not saying it has to be in that tag match against the Bucks, although that's right. I, honestly, that's where I would do it. I don't fuck around. Dustin, I have him turn on Cody either during that match or after that match. I would do after. You know, I would, I would love, this is my, don't, do the after do the we lost yeah. and because that's that's territory style versus you know WWE style would would be we have a 20 right. minute match and then 20 minutes in I turn on you it's like what the fuck why would you wait 20 minutes to do it old territory style would be we're going you know we lose the match Cody you know tries to lift him up and say hey we almost got him and it's like no fuck up dude like it Dustin snaps yeah, yeah I don't need your fucking and and handshake. Because, get out of here because because this was the universally regarded as the best match on the show, the best thing on the show, something that everybody loved, no matter what you think of the rest of the show, everybody loved this. There's got to be money in another match. You can headline another pay-per-view with Cody versus Dustin, with Dustin positioned as the heel, who gives Cody a beating within the inch of his life in that post-match after they lose to the Bucks. I mean, it's perfect. It's almost too easy. It almost makes too much sense. He has to turn on him, right? I mean, that's going to happen. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, I will. We'll see. I know some people don't think so or think that it would be you know cheap heat or whatever, but that's it's heat, man. <laughs> that's, uh, to that's, me, a, that's a that's a money match. Yeah, Listen, you gotta get like, you're gonna get more out of this for sure. You know, and, and it's like you, you gotta you gotta do it. if if he's willing to do it, you gotta get it. You you gotta make this a few one of the one of the. Tent pole feuds that you base this company around right. in its earliest days. Look, if their dad was booking it, a thousand fucking percent, of this course. is what would happen. <laughs> yeah. You know, and and and, it, and it'll work even so much better because the reunion works so well. Yeah, and the hug works so well, and the emotion, and Cody turning face at the end of the match, and Cody has to be a face in that promotion right now. Okay, I know he worked that match as a heel, but he did the turn at the end. You know, and and. 
And it's the feel-good story right now. So you get him in there. They lose a hard-fought match to the Bucks, And Dustin snaps and bloodies Cody up this time. I'm excited just thinking about it. And then that's a money match when you do it again. On whatever your next pay-per-view is. Or whatever the fuck. All out. I'll I'll be glad to have that happen Labor Day weekend. I'll be there. So So anyway. All right. Yeah, let's move on to the AAA uh, World Tag Team title match. You had the Young Bucks defending the titles against the Lucha Brothers. Of course, Phoenix and Pentagon. Uh, I think in a surprising result until I kind of knew a little bit more of what was going on in the booking and all that sort of stuff is the Bucks retain the title. uh, But they are also going to have a match in AAA in, uh, what is it, a few weeks again. So that makes all the sense in the world now that they'll probably have that match and and the Lucha Brothers will get it back. But either way, before we get into kind of nuts and bolts of that, Grapple users 4.37 on this. I went four flats. Uh, Joe, where'd you go with this match? Rich, it feels so good to be breaking down booking again. It's fun, isn't it? Yeah. And, and what you think is going to draw money and what directions they should go. And 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 Kylie Ray should have won instead of – I and like not, her better. And not you saying something and I say, Joe, stop fucking talking about it. It doesn't fucking matter. Or you telling me, ah, who fucking cares? They're not going to do that anyway. And that's yeah. what I mean about this promotion. It's like you can sink your teeth into it. They've had one fucking show and they've already got me excited about wrestling again. Well, that's because they're paying us, Joe. And breaking things down and, and looking at what they can do next. And it hasn't even really started yet. That's what this show did for me. And I hated the pre-show. And I, I went into the main show expecting to hate it based on the pre-show. And they reeled me right the fuck back in when Christopher motherfucking Daniels and Shima, who's better than those two guys, get in the ring and tear the place up. Professional wrestlers. Doing professional wrestling. I'm excited, Rich. I can tell. Yeah, I love it. It's great. It's fired me up. <laughs> My God, this show was so good. So, yes, the Lucha Brothers versus the Young Bucks. Rich, how many times have you seen Pentagon Jr. Oh, wrestle? God, this year or <laughs> this year, 37 times. How many uh, times last... have you seen the Lucha Brothers have tag team matches? Uh, 47 times. How many times have you seen the Young Bucks have tag team matches in, in the uh, last five? 57 times, yeah. It, okay. it's, how yeah. many times have you seen these two teams? But here's the thing, okay? And they went out there and they had a great Young Bucks Lucha Brothers match. Right. I am not shocked at all that I am lower than the grapple users because I have seen this match a thousand times. I've seen these combos a thousand times. I've seen those guys a thousand times. I get it, but I, I, you're talking about watching it from the, the, the user, the people that have never seen this before or don't know what it is. I knew they were going to love it. Rich, I listened to Busted Open. The, oh, uh, God. The, the <laughs> who who no. hurt you? Why? No, no. There's, there's a reason I did this. <laughs> okay. Because Are you I know okay? Do you want to talk about it? Or, or no, okay? because I'm going to hear perspectives that you're not going to hear in our bubble. Yes. Bad perspectives, too. But The yes. callers, Mark Henry. What Mark Henry said about this match, he said it may have been the greatest tag team match he's seen. <laughs> yeah. No, but you're laughing. But No, I know, but he's probably – I mean, like, I've seen all these spots a thousand times where I could close my eyes and see them. Yes. But if you haven't – oh, Absolutely. Rich, we can call the spots the Lucha Brothers are going to do. And have. So <laughs> me, me and Taylor Mainberg went to the Blackcraft yeah. Wrestling and had a list, and Pentagon did them in order. <laughs> exactly yeah. the order that we had. We had our hands up, and it was like, boom, 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 boom. Nailed it. All right, exactly in order. It was perfect, but yes. Mark Henry said it may have been the, the best tag team match he's ever seen in his life. Every caller that called up either talked about Cody and Dustin or this match first. Couldn't believe what their eyes had seen. Because people aren't watching 
MLW and AAW and Impact and seeing the Lucha Brothers overexposed and AAA and and and, and this to fresh eyes, this match was was a revelation to people. They've never seen anything like this. This was groundbreaking to a lot of the people watching this. Not that it wasn't over to the live crowd. Not that it wasn't over with me. I've seen this match before, but I still can enjoy this on a, uh, just from a, 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 you know, a a visual um, turn my brain off. I'm just going to watch a collection of spots. I can, I like that. But to the new, but this match was super impressive to people to where these two acts are not super overexposed. So from that perspective, this match was arguably the biggest home run on the show. Either this or the match that preceded it. So I wanted to bring that perspective to it. But I still think it was a great match. It's just we've seen it all before. Rich, I can do without the Lucha Brothers for the next six. I see so much of them. Right, and I love them. I really do. They were were among my favorite wrestlers ever, but I've legit, like, I, I legit, if I think I count it, I've seen Pentagon and Phoenix like 20 times in the last two years live, 20 times live, not in addition to seeing them on, on, on demand or, I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, I just, if I add AW and, and WrestleMania weekend, I mean, it, it, it's, it's astronomical the amount of times I've seen these guys live. I, they, they were on every show I went to WrestleMania weekend, except MSG. So it's like, you know, and Rev Pro, I guess. But it's like, yeah, and then the t- you know they're on Impact and MLW and and AAW. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, forget about Impact. Even that they were on there for months on it. But I mean, I can't sit here and tell you this wasn't a great match just because I've seen it a million times. So this was a great match, and I was expecting the Lucha Brothers to win their titles back. So, um, you know, they'll do it in Mexico, I guess. Because I think they have a match already set up. They do, yeah. When I when I said, "Oh my god, I can't believe the booking," somebody kind of said, "Hey, well, you know, they got a match in, in Mexico in a few weeks," and I was like, "Oh, okay, yeah. that makes sense." So you get one more match out of this, then, and the brothers will win their title back there. The Lucha Brothers will win their title back there. So it makes all sense in the world. No, that, that this is a match that again, like I don't know that I'm the proper guy to break down. Maybe you do have to listen to somebody who who hasn't seen these guys a thousand times, or because because no, I, I I am like this is another match too that I cannot wait to ask my my casual fan friend when he watches it, like, what do you think of this one? Because it's gonna blow his mind. I know it is because he's never seen these guys. He has no idea who these dudes are, and I'm sure. Penn Pentagon's going to come out and, and throw a fucking Canadian destroyer, and he's going to lose his mind for it. But I've seen the Pentagon Jr. throw a 75 Canadian destroyer. So to me, it doesn't work as much anymore. I've seen Phoenix do what he does. But Phoenix is a guy that I think, I, I say, until you've seen him live, you don't quite really understand how great he is. And I think that's a guy who's going to jump off the page, too. And the Bucks are the Bucks, too, man. They're awesome. And people that don't watch Bucks matches all the time are always surprised by how cool they are and how crisp they are and everything. So, yeah, this is one that that is not... Not for our audience necessarily, not for you and I, and, and maybe not for some of the people listening here. But I have no doubt in my mind that people that watch this are going to love it. Well, you still went four and a half, so I think I did. I yeah, so never mind. Great. So you fucking hated the match. <laughs> I still thought it was a great match. I mean, right. I I'll sit there. You know, I could watch a match like this anytime. You know, I hope they have a match like this on every show. You know, uh, there, there should be again this again added to the variety of the show, especially coming after what it followed. Yeah, absolutely. Total dichotomy. All right, so then you had your main event here, Jericho and Omega, uh, grapple users, 3.86. I went three and three quarters, Joe. Where did you go? I do not know where you went with this match. I'm wondering if the, the momentum carried into the main event. Loved it. Four and a half. Really? Okay, go on Loved then. I want, you to, I want you to sell it to me because I, I, didn't, I didn't love it. I, I, I turned off my fucking nerd brain, and I, I, I wasn't sitting there pushing up my fucking monocle. This was violent. And it was nasty, and it was aggressive. Would you have to push had... up your monocle? I think you'd have to like 
Oh, Whatever you do no, with sorry, a monocle, fucking turn it, yank it. I don't know what you do with a monocle, okay? This was violent. It was nasty. It was stiff. It was aggressive. It had accidental blood. It had a broken nose. It had uh, guys going through tables. It had old man lucha brawler Jericho, who is everything that people say L.A. Park is, but he is actually it. It had everything. This was fantastic. He elbowed him to sleep at the finish. Omega did that incredible over-the-top rope dive through the table on the floor. I can't believe that people aren't as high on this match as me. This was awesome. It was an awesome display of violence. And it, like everything else on the show, it had a clean finish. Center of the ring. One, two, three. I did love Kenny the finish. Big. It was it was cool too because it kind of caught the crowd by surprise because they're like, yes. okay, well, you know, Kenny's gonna kick out and then he's gonna do one wing angel and Jericho's gonna kick out and then they're gonna throw a bunch of fucking V triggers at each other and it was just like, nope, Jericho with the spinning elbow, boom, over. And it was like, oh, all right. <laughs> like I kind of had to like rewatch it. Like, oh, what, what, what? Hold on, <laughs> what just happened there? And that I was- know, and I know they blew the one spot and then repeated it. Rich, I don't care. I was so into this and into the violence and how stiff it was and how nasty it was, and how there was something on the line. The winner going into that title match against Hangman Page. So there's stakes. And then they give you the clean finish. Rich, my nipples can cut glass over the idea that this company is giving clean finishes in their matches. I love it. I love it that we're going to have a winner and a loser and no bullshit. And I hope they stick to it. Because then you can do a bullshit finish three years from now, and it'll be over like a motherfucker. Whoever does it is going to be the biggest heel on earth. Your heels do not have to cheat to win. Chris Jericho was the biggest prick on the show outside of maybe MJF, and we should talk about him. Okay? And he didn't need to cheat or fucking do anything nefarious. He just had to be an asshole. And that is so refreshing. All he had to do was take that house, Mike, and tell everybody how much he hated him and how much he hated everybody. And he was the biggest asshole in the building. And when Mox took him out with that DDT, enormous pop. This, 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 this match and this show and the finishes represented what is different about this company. That's why I went four and a half on this. This was everything I want and everything I want the company to be. And I am fired up, and I am excited. And I like I, 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 the broken nose, the huge spots, the tables. Omega taken out of his comfort zone, getting the shit kicked out of him. Jericho being awesome again. So yes, I love this match, and I don't care about the blown spot, and I don't care how bad the finish looked in slow motion replay. In real time, it looked great. And it was different, and it caught everybody off guard, and it represented something different. They didn't protect Omega, nor should they. He wasn't the better man that night. Jericho was, and now he's got to get in there with Hangman Page. And wherever they do that match, there's going to be 10, 11, 12, 15,000 people firmly behind Hangman Page to beat this asshole and win that title. That's all out in Chicago. There you go. August 31st, you can stay in my spare bedroom. So, And all they needed to do to achieve <laughs> that was to let Jericho be a dick. He didn't have to cheat. He didn't have to 
uh, you know, uh, there were, he didn't need a ref bump. Okay, none of that bullshit. He's just an asshole. And now we're all going to get behind the hangman. So that's why I love this match. And I don't know if I sold you. And, it, you know, it, 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 I don't know. Well, but here's, here's the thing about. is is I can still rate this in my kind of nerd whatever at at, at, a, at what I, three and three quarters or whatever. And the graphic people are kind of similar to me with the 3.86. They're not far off. You can still do that and say it was a success. You know what I mean? I don't think the match was bad. It just didn't live up to maybe my expectations as a pure match. It didn't quite maybe work for me all the way and yada, 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 whatever you want to say. But at the end of the day, I was like, this is this is a good main event, though, because as you said, Jericho won clean as a sheet. Not a bunch of bullshit where there was a winner and a loser, a definitive winner and a loser. It kind of shocked me because I assumed that they were going to do something. But Kenny just took the loss and Jericho got the win. And now Jericho gets the title shot. And then Moxley comes out. Like they did, it did everything it needed to do. It was an awesome way to finish the show. And and again, what it, it, another refreshing part about this as well is that not all wrestling, and, and, and I'm, I'm this way too. People think that we come out here because we talk about star ratings, we talk about these New Japan main events and these Tanahashi Nokata main events and these Omega things, and we're throwing out stars and snowflakes and shit. I don't need all of my main events to be these incredible, unbelievable back and forth epics. Like I'm fine with a 20 minute match with the definitive winner. I like that shit. I love for my wrestling to involve that as well. I want really awesome fucking crazy matches where shit happens all the time too. But if I get a match where a guy beats another guy in 20 minutes, I'm fine with that too. I like both of that. I like variety in my wrestling. So that's where I come at it where from kind of my nerddom, maybe it wasn't to the extent of like, you know, I I think that Okada Omega matches are better sort of in-ring spectacles and in-ring matches. But at the end of the day, I'm not less entertained by this at all. And and that's kind of one of those things where star ratings maybe don't do a proper job of telling the story because maybe you look at my review and go, oh, geez, Rich really thought this sucked. I didn't think it sucked. I just thought as a pure match, as a pure kind of rating style, I wouldn't go super high on it. But as a three and three quarters isn't a bad rating. Right, exactly. But I mean, people read that as maybe like, oh, geez, well, Joe gave it four and a half. He really loved it. And Rich hated it. Like, no, I didn't. I didn't dislike it at all. I really liked it. It just to me, it didn't maybe pop my kind of nerdum. Oh, my God. You know, this is an incredible back and forth wrestling match because it wasn't that. But it was a definitive wrestling match. It told a good story and it told a story it needed to. At the end of this match, I knew that Chris fucking Jericho beat Kenny Omega and that he's going to get a title shot. And he's a dick, you know what I mean? Because then he got on the mic and said, "You all need to thank me," and all this sort of bullshit. And 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 it was perfect. It's exactly what it needed to tell. Not all pro wrestling needs to be, you know, back and forth epics and kickouts and all that sort of stuff. People think that that's all we like, and it's not all we like, and it's not what well, all I like. This this is the same reason I love all those Brock Lesnar matches, right? They're you know different. I mean? They kind of shake you to the core, and you're like, oh yeah, wrestling can be a bunch of different things. It can be yeah. different things. And, and I, I love definitive winners and losers. I love that shit. And I'm always way higher on those matches than everybody else mm-hmm. because it's like I, I grade it differently because it just connects with me. He just goes in there and beats people up and bins them. And it feels different than everything else on the show. He's the only authentic thing in that company. And that's why I love Brock matches. That's the similar feel I had for this. Yeah, it was rough around the edges. It worked. It worked for what this was supposed to be, that it was rough around the edges. So that's why I love this match. And if you have me on the edge of my seat, and, and emotionally invested and hanging on every move, you can blow a spot or two. That's fine. Okay? You, I'll cut a break. If Trent Beretta and, and Helico blow a spot in a match I don't give a shit about, that's going to affect me more than a match that's already rough around the edges where one guy already has a broken nose and it's a Chris Jericho, modern Chris Jericho special where it's rough around the edges to begin with. I, 
you know, it, did I love that they blew, blew Spot and then did it again? No, of course not. Dude, I'll be honest. I don't even remember what Spot that was. <laughs> what, what did they do? I don't even. Angel, it was a one-winged angel counter, and he dropped them, and then he picked them up, and they did it again. But the the, the thing I'll be about honest, it, honest, I don't remember that at all. So there we go. So it didn't it didn't obviously affect me on any level. So I might have went five on this fucking thing if they didn't blow that spot. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. Hey. But but I mean, you know, it's not like it. it but but it didn't like kill the match for me because I was so invested in it, and it just it, it, there were stakes, and they gave me a winner, and it was it, it just it it worked for me, and and it was violent and stiff and nasty, and I'm just repeating myself now. But yeah, that, yeah. That's, we'll, we'll... that's why I loved it. And and give me more of that. Just fucking give me more of that. I love the 35-minute fucking New Japan main event style, Kento Miyahara. I love that shit. But I love this too. But I love this too. The, the, the Rhodes Brothers and this main event. As much as I love that Bucks Lucha Brothers match they wedged in between. And that's why I love this show. They gave me everything. Right. That shows you right there. The last four matches. Look, you had a Joshi six-way match, or six-person match. You had Cody and Dustin Rhodes bleeding buckets. You had the Lucha Brothers and the Bucks just kicking, throwing super kicks, doing all their shit. And then Jericho and Omega, which is a completely different match. A wise man once said, do cool moves and look like a badass. That's really all it takes. That's, a pro- that's the essence of pro wrestling. It really is. And then we got to talk about Moxley, the enormous pop as he comes down from the rafters, takes out Jericho with the double arm DDT, takes out the referee. He didn't come for the he came for the crowd, sir. I don't know about the rafters. He said Sting. He he came, sting. He, what is he? I'm making it dramatic. He came okay. from the rafters. Yeah, just in case people don't. He did not drop into the ring on a harness. <laughs> And then the wild brawl with Jericho up on the poker chips. Uh, not Jericho. That fucking rocked. Yeah, uh, that fucking rocked. The post match was awesome. The crowd just. Okay. I, I love the, the 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 you know the sort of the build of the crowd too, as like people started noticing. And then when he jumps into the ring and everybody can see him, it's just like holy shit! Oh my god, Rich, the energy of that entire uh, of that entire angle. When as he when's the last time Ambrose or Moxley uh, had that kind of energy around anything that he's done? But remember, it's the fucking mustard that people connect with, Rich. It's the mustard. That's the good shit. That, it's the fucking mustard. That's why people connect with you. He's fucking lost. And wasn't it? And we forgot this. What did he call? He called him. What did he call Vince? I can't believe I forgot. He called him. Uh, an alleged genius. An alleged genius. I can't believe we forgot to bring that up. How on point was that? That's a late victory lap for us because we, yeah. That's we've a term I think we've that, used as well. We've been calling that man an alleged genius for seven years because he thinks squirting mustard is what connects people to this guy and not what we saw him just coming out of there and beating people up. Oh, I forgot my other quote too that I forgot. Now I'm looking through the thing too that I wanted to bring up. My favorite quote of the entire thing was that Vince is describing, you know, him doing running around in a unicycle and eating pizza with a homeless man or whatever. And he goes, that's the good shit. That's why people connect to you. And then Moxley was just like, so I'm stupid. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. What like, so I'm a fucking moron. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Like, so I'm stupid. <laughs> I love the question. It's like, so my character is I'm an idiot, right? That's, that's what I am. Okay. It's, it's unbelievable. And then you see this and it's just the sheer dichotomy of it all. He's just a fucking brawler. He's just a no nonsense brawler. And that's exactly what he said in the interview that he wanted to be. It's just a dude that comes out without sleeves. Maybe he doesn't have music and he just fucking brawls. He just beats yeah, He said up. he wants to do physical wrestling and just beat people up and get beaten up. You know? And, you know, it, it, you know it's like, how awesome will a match with him and Jericho be? In that environment, where they're allowed to 
do it their way. And then compare. Like if those two say if it was Dean Ambrose and Chris Jericho, you wouldn't be excited for it at all. No, they did that match, and I think one of them ended up in a straitjacket, if I remember correctly. I think Jericho put Dean Ambrose in a straitjacket. Because he's a lunatic, he's a Joe. Lunatic. <laughs> he's crazy. crazy. I'm not making that up, by the way. You, do you remember that match? Yeah, I do. It ended with Jericho putting him in a straitjacket because he's a lunatic. So yeah. you know. <laughs> Oh, I wish I was making it up. Anyway, that was uh, Double or Nothing. You said the Moxie came out. Oh, let, let's talk about the uh, the Bret Hart uh, title unveiling. So Bret Hart comes out, which I thought was a huge pop, too. I can't wait. I didn't tell my buddy that because uh, he's like the biggest Bret Hart fan in the world. Can't wait to see that uh, from him. But uh, anyway, Bret Hart comes out. Uh, big pop for him. For him to appear there, I think, was pretty interesting as well. And definitely another shot at the <laughs> across the bow, which I think, again, is good. You need those those guys to come in. And that's a, that's a big name to bring in just to do, you know, obviously not in-ring stuff, not like authority figure stuff, but just to kind of pull the title and say, what's up? And then you had MJF come out and cut a heel promo on him. Then you had Jungle Boy and and Jimmy Havoc sort of come down and, and, and beat him up. There was somebody else, too, but I'm blanking. Oh, Hangman Page, of course, uh, who came down. But what do you think of that segment? I thought it was a little weird and a little awkward, but I think at least it told you, hey, here are some guys that we care about. It was uh, MJF's chance to shine. First of all, we didn't talk about it because we were busy burying it, but MJF was the best thing about that Battle Royal, and it wasn't even close. And this is becoming a habit now because he's always the best thing about the Battle Riot and MLW, too. The guy just gets it, and he understands it, and he's great. And he he's another guy with the ultimate punchable face. And he's going to be a big-time heel in this company, and he's going to be a future star. Okay, He may not be Kento Miyahara, bell to bell, but he doesn't have to be. That's not what he's ever going to be. Um, you know, he's serviceable enough between the bells and between the ropes to where his character work can carry him. And he was the perfect guy to come out and disrespect Bret Hart. And um, he was the perfect guy for the baby faces to run off. And Jungle Boy is a long-term project for them. And they're going to start him off as a, you know, mid-card baby face and all that. And they're going to see where they can go with him. Um I, I haven't seen enough of him to really have an opinion. At this point, he kind of looks like a geek to me. But, you know, I'll, I'll give it a chance. But MJF, in the, both the Battle Royal and in this segment, again, you know, to overuse the same phrase, he was an absolute home run both times. Absolutely. And I think what's good, too, is one of the things that was just, like, unbelievable at All In is that he came off of the Royal and, and, and didn't get a mic. And I was like, you can't have MJF just come in. Whereas this time they corrected that and they said, you know what, MJF, here's a mic. You know, do your you, thing. You know, the just- thing about MJF, too, and this is the same in every promotion that he's in, he doesn't get any ironic cheering. He gets booed out of every building he's no, in. No, you fucking hate him. There's no way you can like him. He's an asshole. He's annoying. <laughs> like he's he's one of the only guys in wrestling who gets genuine heel heat 100% of the time in every single crowd. And that's why he's so valuable. And that's why if I were starting a promotion, he'd be one of the first phone calls I made. He's young. He gets genuine heel heat. And he's got all of the upside in the world. You can easily see this guy within five years. Five years is an eternity. Within three years, being the top heel in the promotion, could easily see that. So I thought it was very smart, even though he clearly was the star of the battle royal, to then feature him on the uh, on on the main show as well. So, and it was cool. Bret Hart, another cool surprise. You look back on this show in ten years, you're going to remember the Cody Rhodes versus Dustin Rhodes. You're going to remember. The uh, awesome Kong and Bret Hart surprises. Those are the things that you're going to remember. Okay, you're not going to remember, you know, Trent Beretta and uh, Jack Evans locking up. You know, it, 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 it's like the, the, the keynote things you're going to remember about the show. 
You know, uh, if Chris Jericho goes on to win the title, you remember, you know, him beating Omega. And you remember Moxley, of course, coming out of the crowd. All right, so we are definitely going to do an overrun here because we are actually out of time right now. So we're going to talk about Moxley and Juice, also the best of the Super Juniors, and uh, NXT TakeOver on the, the overrun. So it'll be a longer overrun here this week. But uh, yeah, obviously we spent three hours talking about Moxley and uh, Double or Nothing, which I guess is it's not a bad thing. We expected this to happen. We had a feeling it was going to happen. But uh, yeah. If you are listening to this show on Saturday or later, that means you're listening to this show in June which means it's the perfect time to subscribe to hear the overrun. It'll only cost you $2, and you'll be good for the entire month. So this is actually perfect timing if you're not a Patreon subscriber and you want to hear the rest of this show as we break down the Super Juniors and we preview NXT TakeOver. Because if you subscribe on June 1st, you get the full value of the $2 that it's going to cost you to listen to the overrun. Okay, And if you subscribe at the $5 level, you get the overrun and you get everything else we do. So it's actually perfect timing uh, to jump in if you've been thinking about subscribing, if you want to hear the rest of this show. Absolutely. So voicesofwrestling.com slash Patreon, patreon.com slash Voices of Wrestling to do that. We do want to thank uh, the sponsor for this week's episode, Grapple, uh, G-R-A-P-P-L, uh, is what you're going to want to do if you want to look up on the Android or uh, Apple Store. We'll also be talking a little bit about Grapple ratings uh, for our Best of the Super Juniors uh, review as well. So if you want to learn a little bit more about Grapple and, and see kind of stuff about that, we will have that in the overrun as well. But I uh, just want to mention, yeah, again, G-R-A-P-P-L. Leave the E out if you're searching for it on the uh, Apple Store or uh, Apple App Store or obviously the Android app market as well. But uh, yeah, that's it for us. So we'll see you on the overrun. Again, voiceswrestling.com slash Patreon, patreon.com slash Voices of Wrestling. If you are listening to this show on the 31st, do not pay because you're going to get charged again the next day. We're not looking to rip anybody off. Just wait till the first and subscribe so you don't get double hit with the charge. There it is. Boom. Saving you guys money. There you go. Anyway, for Joe, I'm Rich. We'll see you on the overrun. Take care. Bye.